Hello, I'm Thomas Carruthers. I'm Will Leggetter. And today we are joined by two uh, lovely guests. We are in the middle of Block 8. We are about... Uh, oh, no, 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 no. We've got uh, Wedding Crushes next week before that. Um, but today we are uh, we are picking a spot on our chins. Ew, yes, stop that. It was, I, I felt it. I caught it. And it was Just stop it. <laughs> it's, it's, it it's, it's not a big spot. It's just like a little... It'll get stop! caught. Stop! For your audio listeners, that's the lovely voice of uh, Katrina Unit. Katrina, how are you today? I'm fine. Thank you for asking. It's all right. It's, it's a script. Uh, Becky, how are you? Oh, and we also have Becky. Becky, how are you today? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> it's a plodding along day, it seems, for everybody here, here, <laughs> here at <Christmas>. <laughs> <laughs> Um Will, this is a virgin watch. Yes. And I was rather quite surprised that this was a virgin watch because this is remarkably up your street. Um, we're both big sad boys. <laughs> Me and Will are both big. Anybody who listens to the show knows we're both big, big, big sad, big love, big sad love boys. Um, Will is obviously, of course, in a wonderful relationship um, with one of the guests today. I, I won't say who. Uh, <laughs> what not me i would like to preface uh, with with the wonderful becky and so it's a different kind of sad boy energy uh and the, the energy is happy happy boy happy relationship boy but we are both i think that i rewatched the when i met sally episode and basically becky just came for us both and uh said you you believe in too much you watch too many movies and your ideas of love and then it's obviously really came to head in the about time episode where katrini Katrini. <laughs> My new name. Katrini. Uh, Katrina. Uh, and both of you, actually. We, oh, this is the About Time crew. Um, also known as the Katrina and Becky have the exact same taste in film. <laughs> Everything, basically. Uh, Taylor Swift and movies. And, uh, the, um, the, this is the 4G crew. And um, don't like that. This is the 4P. Just carry on. I don't know what to say. The, um, the <laughs> where was I? Uh, I it, Katrini threw me off. Will, what's the film? Uh, it's it's five hundred days of summer. I love the Smiths. Sorry. I said I love the Smiths. You've you've good taste in music. You like the Smiths. Yeah. To die by your side is such a heavenly way to die. I love him. Holy. This is a story of boy meets girl. They made a statue of us. The boy, Tom Hansen, grew up believing that he'd never truly be happy until the day he met the one. The girl, Summer Finn, did not share this belief. You should know up front, this is not a love story. I think we should stop seeing each other. Just like that? Just like that. Start from the beginning and tell us what happened. I tried to talk to her in the copy room. She's totally not having maybe it. Maybe she was just in a hurry. And maybe she's an uppity better than everyone super skank. With, uh, with, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, mm. Zoe Deschanel, Jeffrey Arendt, 
Chloe Grace Mortez, Matthew Gray Goobler, Clark Gregg from the Avengers. You like butchered so many names. <laughs> that, I thought it was a gag because obviously he knows that Zoe, he knows that it's Zoe Deschanel. But then it continued, and I don't think the rest <laughs> were a gag. He definitely said Mortez, not as a gag. <laughs> In college, they called me perfectly adequate and handsome. He used to call me anal girl. I was very neat and organized. See you, boyfriend? No. Who needs it? We're young. Might as well have fun while we can. Wait, wait. What happens if you fall in love? You don't believe that, do you? What? It's love, it's not Santa Claus. I think it's official. I'm in love with Summer. I love how she makes me feel. Did you ever even have a boyfriend? Of course. What happened? Why didn't they work out? What always happens? Life. We'll get over her. I don't want to get over her. I want to get her back. Um, Mortez Adams. The, um, That's what I was just about to say. <laughs> um, anyway, the, my point being is that I was really surprised that this was a virgin watch for you because this is really, really up your alley. Um, Rom-com, uh, you know, sad, mopey man. Um, and chiefly Zoe Deschanel, who um, is one of your favourite uh, rom-com leads, and you, you, uh, Becky got you into New Girl. Um, I think it's fair to say we all love Zoe Deschanel. I'm dressed as her right now. And you look marvellous. Yes, it's like she's oh, in the room. Audio listeners, you're missing out. <laughs> audio listeners, go to YouTube. And uh, then... <laughs> at this point, listen to it twice. <laughs> listen and watch um i think we're all big we're also all big new girl fans as well um i think so where's zoe Deschanel now i want to start with this what's happening i know she's had children and um, that she's married she no she's not married she's divorced oh yeah she is divorced and uh, now she's with one of the she's dating twins. one of the property brothers <laughs> she's dating a property brother <laughs> absolutely out of left and they met on James Corden's Carpool Karaoke. Oh, that is a shame. It's bad. He's not even like this. Obviously, there's two property brothers. Well, there's technically three, but there's which, two. Which one, one is it? With the better looking one. She's with what, the what? kind of weirder looking one. One of them's gay. One of them does No, the... there's not. I'm sure they're one of them is gay. Well, my mother's straight. been telling me very different things. <laughs> Just They're because he's good at picking women. out curtains doesn't mean he's gay. <laughs> Maybe the, the third one might be gay. I don't know. There technically is three. Oh, so like the Chuckle Brothers. There's a, there's a third Chuckle Brother that nobody knows. Third and fourth, I think there isn't is, it? Like, yeah, there's quite... I, I swear there's another set of twins. That's I don't know. Weird. That could be a complete lie. Um, She was in Trolls World Tour in 2020 wow. and her... Previous credit before that is um, New Girl is is the final episodes of New Girl, um, so yeah, no, she's been um, doing doing divorce stuff and uh, all that stuff. I'm ready for Zoe Deschanel again. Let's bring Zoe Deschanel back. I um, I mean, she can do whatever she wants, but uh, let's let's get it back. 
Because also, Will, she's in Yes Man, which is another one of your favourite movies. I love Yes Man. I like Yes Man too. Enjoyable. Um, uh, one of her first credits, uh, she's also in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But obviously, one of, I think the, the moment that we all, I say the moment, it was 2003, so we all saw it as children. The, uh, but obviously, the, I feel the start of the Zoe Deschanel rom-com lead is Elf. Which she is wonderful yeah, in. She's a blonde. She is a blonde. Um, 30 second tangent, blonde or brunette, go. Will? Brunette. Yeah, I don't even think it's a conversation. I think she looks very good as a, I think she looks very good in Elf. But the Zoe Deschanel vibe is. Well, of course, I, I think she looks. Uh, do you not like the blonde Bob in Elf? <laughs> it's just you, blonde women. I like blonde <laughs> women. I. <laughs> that was the comment I was making. Oh. Um, Becky, what's your relationship with Five Hundred Days of Summer specifically? Was this pre-New Girl? Was this because of New Girl? What's what's the where's it in your where's it in your spectrum? I think I just watched it as like a it came on TV or something. So I watched like you know when you kind of watch the end of something that you just spontaneously find on TV, mm. and then at another time I watched the full thing. So I have seen the full thing before before watching it for this um and yeah I it was strange because like I went into it not really remembering a lot of the plot but obviously through watching it I was like yeah it, it's all coming back to me again um and I did enjoy it we'll come on to discussions mm. later. I was gonna say <laughs> because we are in the middle I think we're in the middle now of a sort of third wave now of, of criticism of the film whereas there was the big wave of criticism of um, why Tom's the villain? Why is uh, why you know why Summer's Summer's ridiculous? But also, and Tom's a horrible person. Why are we rooting for Tom? However, I've never. I would say that's the second. No, I say that's the second wave of this film. The first wave is that Summer's a bitch. Yeah. Tom's a hero. Um, she didn't deserve him, mm. and he was completely like done dirty, and he was an idiot and things like that. I've never mm. seen it. Then the second wave is, oh, actually Tom's the villain mm. and she's the hero. And now it's a bit more like grey, I would say. I'd say for me, the third my, wave is, oh, sorry, go on, Becky. My issues with it are more from like kind of a sexist feminist standpoint, but mm. I don't know whether you want to leave them for the what's the change part, because I've got a whole load of like things to discuss there. Well, we'll, put, well, we'll park it there then. We'll, we'll start with the bits we liked. And the, <laughs> but um, I was going to say, for me, the third wave has always been my wave, because now the third wave is agreeing with the second wave, saying that, yeah, that was the point the whole time, is that that's how the movie's been made the writers, director, and they know that Tom is this lovesick puppy who's who's a bit, you know, demanding and controlling at times, and that, um, you know, because that's how I've always seen the film. I've never seen it as this. I've just seen it as a pretty, you know, realistic, um, realistic representation of that sort of character in the in the Tom. Um, in yeah, the there's no the like hero and villain. It's mm. literally yeah, like, it's real it's characters. Just... And, yeah. and, and so the, the waves of people putting that on the film, 
and then taking that away. But now I've always, I've always thought it was pretty. I, I, I would, I, I, I think because Will's never seen it before, I'm mm. kind of interested in what his current wave is. What did you know, Will, if anything? All I knew was uh, that at some point she says they used to call me anal girl because that's all. Great gag, yes. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I knew nothing at all. So I, I was a complete blank canvas. All right, and I, I, it was an emotional roller coaster to start with. It was yeah. very nice. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess because. I relate a lot to Tom. Mm. Uh, he, he he does a lot of the things that I do. Um, he likes to draw buildings, and that's it. Um, now I, I think you can look at it from both uh, points of view. I think it's because the story is told from Tom's perspective. That's where uh, a lot of the waves come from. Um, yeah, that's my opinion. I think. I saw a really interesting thing online that said that um, Summer is essentially a MacGuffin and she's there just for his character development. Mm. Yeah. But then also she sort of has her nice... She has a character development too. She has, yeah, she has an arc. And I like a bit that it creeps up on her. Because, again, we're so focused from Tom's point of view that we're all on Tom, all on Tom, and then the little things and then her I guess you could you could do the sexist angle and say that oh she's finally learned to get married and be part of the institution but you know that does happen sometimes you know there's the strong independent women do like to get married sometimes this is the thing that happens and I like that it's sort of in the background and then obviously it's great for the reveal at the end of expectation versus reality that's just a great reveal and did knock me Completely. Oh, the, right. The first time I saw Five Stages on her was on a flight to Florida. And it was when the Seatback Entertainment didn't wasn't a menu. So you would flick through like a TV guide, but it wouldn't have any names. And I was trying to find the <laughs> Brendan Fraser Harrison Ford cancer drama, Extraordinary Measures, which I still have never seen. And I saw this man smashing plates and I thought, oh, this must be it. They must have found out. I've missed the first five minutes. And then, and then I watched this movie and I completely fell in love. So, oh my God, he's called Tom too. And he's sad and he's lonely. Oh, he's called Tom. How, um, how old were you? I think, so how like, old were you? I would have been, yeah, I would have been 10. Because like, they go on planes. Yeah, I was I know. 10 when I watched it. Yeah. What was your well, 10 year old? Do you remember your... that, but you don't remember my birthday? Can someone, someone please? I was in France. I was in France at a family friend's house. We went to stay at their like house that was on the farm. So there was literally nothing to do. But they had a random barn that they'd converted into a cinema room with like a projector and stuff like that. Mm. And we had a memory stick of illegally downloaded films. I watched so many of like some of my first favorite films um, in that room, which is quite wild. Um, mm. And me and my brother were like, mm, never heard of this one. Let's watch it. And I was 10. I was like, oh, this is great. I hate summer. Because I was in love with Joe Gordon Levitt. Big JGL. So I hated her. Yeah, I hated her because I was like, oh my God, he's so perfect and amazing. How could she not fall in love with him? And now I'm like, 
that's why. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I fully, fully agree. We can go into that later if you like. <laughs> I don't know. Let's go with YouTube comments. Let's see what people are saying. I've said. It's not live. The um, Here we are. An important lesson that I needed to learn that we all do. Don't ever allow our image of someone to become greater than who they actually are. It's not fair to anyone involved. It's quite nice and serious. <laughs> I love and hate this film. Love it because it is so true. But then that's also why I hate it. <laughs> and uh, uh, another one here. Um, when the girl said her name was Autumn at the end, and it went to day one right before he smiled, the feels. Mm. Why in the F would you spend two hours watching this when you can just experience in real life? Yeah, Tom. I wish I could. I wish I could have another miserable relationship. Not that it was miserable for the length of it, it was just the end. Anyway. Uh, uh, okay, I'll tell this story. This is a real story. So, end of my relationship. This is a real thing. End of my relationship. Obviously, we were like, okay, what? And it's like the final night she's going to stay over at mine. And it's like really awkward. And it's like, okay, uh, and it's like, what do you want to do? And it's like, well, I guess we'll watch a movie. Sorry. And, oh, oh, no. Sorry. Has there been news? Has breaking I news? No, I was reading through the one-star reviews that I got up earlier. I just found one that was horrible. We'll get to that in a moment. We'll open one. We'll... <laughs> yeah. Imagine, imagine the movie. The, and so we're like looking through movies and I was like, okay, pick a whatever. So a, a pick a shelf because there's loads of shelves. I was like, oh, there's Five Days of Summer. There's all the President's Men. And it's like, oh, I've never seen Five Days of Summer. And I was like, Okay, I guess I'll watch that. And so the final movie after three years that me and my ex watched was 500 Days of Summer. And the whole time, she just kept looking at me going, yeah. Yeah. And then I think it was the, the, I think it was the, it was the, we can still be friends. And she laughed out loud and she was like, do you want to turn it off? <laughs> then, what, That's so, cruel. Yeah, it's big, uh, big energy. The uh, no, but basically with Blu-rays, it saves your place if you if you stop watching it or whatever. And then like, but it's really it, for some reason it saves it like months. So like I'd watched it a year ago, and it had saved it at him leaving. I watched the bench scene and then I turned it off. Um, I'm not a big fan of the ending. We'll get to that later. Um, and so I'd paused it, so I turned it off. And so then when we put the disc in, it came up with the bench and it said, do you want to continue? And I put no. And so then afterwards, she asked me, why don't you watch the end? And I go, because it's not real, is it? It's not real. In real life, they just leave you. And then we went to bed. And then the morning after she drove home. Uh, there's a fun story. And then another time we met, I had a car accident on the way home. Really fun. Imagine getting ploughed by a lorry on the way home from getting broken up with. Really great morning in the life of Thomas John Carruthers. Kind Katrina, of one-star reviews. Um, this is from someone called Mr. Goswami. He says, well, I wish Summer would die of cancer. What the hell? <laughs> the whole time I was like, why am I watching it? And believe me, it hurts. Don't watch. 
How horrible is that? It's a bit strong. And then one was one says, this was one of the worst movies I've seen in a long time. Boring from minute one. Can't understand why they have given this movie 7.7. I would give it zero. Someone else says, um, where's the other one? Zoe Deschanel's character is psychotic and wacky. It started out good and then bombed, but the end is good. The poor guy gets strung along and then gets his butt ripped out. Clearly a wacky movie. Wacky Mr. movie. Vice has ju- Mr. Vice has just learned what the word wacky means. I don't know if his... he's actually using it correctly. It was on their um, word of the day calendar. Word of the day calendar. Wacky. Irreverent or silly. Yeah, and then someone just put, I don't like this movie. This movie doesn't make any sense to me. This is like when there people watch women. <laughs> this is like when people watch Little Women were like, I don't get it. I don't get all the time jumps. And it was like, okay. It's not, it's not <laughs> tenor. You don't need a, <laughs> like, a diagram. The, the Little Women criticisms where people didn't understand the time jumps, it's like so obvious. Mm. One is orange and one is blue looking. Mm. It's just like big sounds. What do you think? Yeah. I, I, I find like I dead. struggle with time. I struggle with time jumps if they're not explicitly like shown. Like in 500 Days of Summer, it literally like has the little mm. clock of the days going forwards and backwards. So it's really obvious. But so, like if there's just like it goes to black or it literally just cuts from one scene to the next, I mm. do tend to struggle with it. Mm. I've got a timer. Two minutes and then it won't be mentioned again. So did you really struggle with Annie Hall? Because Annie Hall obviously doesn't have the 500, the, the different days. It just splits and it's sort of stream of consciousness and it keeps splitting. So was that was that a struggle? Somewhat, yes. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously big Annie Hall energy, the writers have openly admitted it, that they wanted to make Annie, they wanted to make like an act. They were very inspired by Annie Hall. Obviously with the different, with the going through a relationship, uh, different sketches, lots of lots of very very Annie Hall, um, uh, and that's also sort of I think it was Mark Commode that said it was Annie Hall for the Twitter age. That's um, <laughs> very Mark. very oh Mark Commode. Um, Will sort of uh, what was now you've seen both of the films. What uh, was it? A, what would you I, would you return to either? What what's what did you prefer? I, uh, it's funny you mentioned Annie Hall because I never thought about that until now and then it makes sense. But I'd, I'd return to this movie any day over Annie Hall. Do you remember when you watched Annie Hall and you said to <laughs> Becky halfway through, you're like, I think this movie has been made for me. Or what did, what did you say? You said this movie might be the best movie ever made. I did. I did. And now? Oh and no, now... Katrina, you can pitch in because that's the one Woody Allen movie you've seen. No, I've seen a few. I've seen Midnight in Paris. Which I presume you enjoy because he's not in it. Yes, I find him insufferable. And I hated him in Annie Hall. (laughs) (laughs) I find him so annoying. Oh, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I really don't like it. I would hate to be around someone like that. The relationship's like like a shark. When you swap <laughs> and it's still there, half dead, and it's it's jittering. That's that's Woody Allen. That's Woody Allen trying to make his fiftieth movie in Paris this summer. He's just still going. I, come on, <laughs> even just for the sake of symmetry, can he make? Just let him make a fifty. There's no way I'm gonna, you know, 
49 movies? That's just annoying. Just let him make 50 movies and then and then you can cancel him. I mean, he's already cancelled. Anyway, just let him make 50. Make a short film that he's not in. Oh, he's not in them anymore. He's, he's too old. Yeah, right. <laughs> too old. Poor Woody. Um, Woody Allen made Ants? No. <laughs> he he <laughs> was Ants. in Ants. <laughs> What the elevator? Oh, <laughs> sorry. I'm pretty sure there was erratic. another one that I may have liked, but no. no. Match points. It's just. Don't you like Vicky Cristina Barcelona? Just me. Oh no, that's Becky. I Becky like that likes. One. Yeah, Becky yeah. likes Vicky. Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Um, Blue Jasmine. Anyway, what is great? Listen to our Woody episodes. Um, Enough about Woody Allen. Let's talk about the film that came from the inspiration, 500 Days of Summer. We will start now with best 10-minute stretch. Um, a bit of a tough one, really, because it's not really a 10-minute movie. It's uh, it's lots it's lots of five-minute movies. Um, but uh, were there any that stuck out to people? I've gone... I mean, obviously. Ikea's. There's, there's, the, there's an obvious answer. Sad boy, final ten minutes. No, the obvious answer is expectations versus reality. That's the obvious answer. Yeah, interbench, excluding happy architecture montage. Yeah, expectations versus reality. That was my favorite bit because everyone does that. Everyone goes like even now. I like go to a party and like, oh my god, like. Even even someone who's like not that romantic and like doesn't really care about relationships very much, I'm like, oh, what if I did meet someone? Oh my god, like at a party, like, but, and then it never, nothing ever goes the way you expect it to. Like, I mean, fair enough. My my ex isn't there getting engaged and showing off their engagement ring, but you know, nothing ever goes the way you expect it to. No. Like, you go on a date and you're like, oh my God, it's going to be amazing. And it's rubbish. And you're like, oh, great. Okay. So, I don't know. I always liked that bit because it always, that, to me, felt, like, so realistic. You, and especially the music behind that. Um, Regina Spector, you know, like, I'm the hero. It's like, the lyrics are literally like, I'm the hero, like, and things like that. Like, that's how he sees himself. is like the hero of his own story. And I think that that you know, everyone sees himself as the main character of their own story. Mm. And so in the reality versus expectation scene, he kind of realises, oh, like, no, I'm not. Like, everyone's their own. You can kind of see everyone's their own main character because Summer's the main character in her story and he's the main character in his. That's why I really like the... Story. I like, that's what I like the... I love the flash of the wedding. Because we're sort of like, yeah. oh, he's going to become an architect again. Great, great, great. And then, and then I, I love the wedding flashes. I think they're, they're really well done. Um, yeah, expectation versus. You know, you'll all like this. It's one of Richard Curtis's favourite scenes. He uh, he really enjoyed uh, expectations versus. I remember. Did you? Did you, any of you watch film twenty whatever the year was when Claudia Winkleman was Claudia Winkleman was on? No. Anyway, no. And, and they had an interview with Richard Curtis, and he was talking about his favourite uh, romance scenes. We don't talk about anymore. Uh, but he uh, talked about it, uh, really liking expectations versus reality, and it's it's it, it is the big, uh, it's the big scene. Uh, there's whatever people's opinions of it is. It's an excellent scene, very well done. Um, 
it's it's just it is it's it's excellent i dare say will how I think, sorry i think it also sorry i think it also shows that he doesn't really know summer very well which becomes more, her and more reaction, obvious as the film goes yeah on. her reactions in that scene you don't you know we've never really seen her act like that necessarily in his like expectations where she's like oh my god like giving him like loads of hope. she's never really acted like that in the rest of the film hmm. he doesn't really know her he just has this concept of what he thinks he knows of her and so well, then when it's the like actual... rose tinted glasses isn't it like yeah yeah looks exactly. at her in this like as this perfect person he doesn't see no one's perfect. her as a person he sees her he sees her as a person she could be like this concept of a person and not not as an actual person. He's not in love with her. He's in love with the idea of her. Mm, I think someone said that to you before. I've, I've said Me? that. No, I don't. Th- did you ever say that? I said it to, I yeah. once said it to a guy in high school and he was like, oh my God, you're right, aren't you? I go, yes. And it was like. It's a very human thing to do is to like overthink things in a positive way in your brain. Because you want things to be more positive than they are. It's why it's why a lot of people struggle with, you know, like they're like, oh, we were never even properly together. And yet it hurts as much as like a real breakup would. It's because you never were with them. You never saw their like terrible points and their annoying points. You only ever had this image of what a relationship could look like and what they could look like in a relationship. But because you never got into a relationship, it, it hurts more because it's like this, oh, what if and lost idea of a person. And I've got, I'm having this, I'm, again, TMI, but I'm having this now because I've not had, and I think it really works with Summer and Tom because it's, apart from this Amanda Heller that gets one mention and they, it's seemingly in like a high school that that, that, that happened, it seems that Tom hasn't really had another major relationship like this and yeah. never has experienced love. But then, Whereas his, Summer... like, isn't his sister like, oh, you've had girls break up with you before? She's, or yeah, like, maybe it was one of his friends. He says, um, she says, Amanda, she said, I don't know why I remember the name. She's like, it's Amanda Heller all over again. But it feels like, like when Summer's talking about the different ones and she's, it, and I've got this now where the idea, his idea of love as a concept and a great relationship He's still wrapped up in this one person because there because there isn't. Whereas for Summer, obviously, she's had these multiple relationships, and so her idea of love, her idea of connection, is this grander thing. Whereas for Tom, it is obviously um, still wrapped up in one person. I also like how, like, because the film is all about like his perspective of Summer, and you never get to see any of his exes or her exes or even her like. You see her husband. Oh, but in like weird see, like, sort of old-fashioned, yeah, almost like his interpretation of what she's saying that they were. And mm-hmm. I think it's like, it's quite cleverly done because in a sense that like, that kind of reflects what his mental state is probably like, like his entire world in that moment is summer and he doesn't even think of like his ex, but then his friends were like, oh, it's another Amanda situation. So it's clearly mm-hmm. happened before. He's had this whole like, oh my God, I'm in love. She's perfect. Wow and then the big crash at the end. But he doesn't even think of that because his entire world is now summer. And I think that's, again, a very like human trait as a lot of people will like completely lock onto one person. And even if you've had the exact same situation in the past, it's gone because you're so caught up in that one person. Mm. Mm. Wow, very poignant. 
uh, 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 10 minute stretch. Um, I knew this was going to happen. Do you want to read? This is the description I wrote. What, what about what about Will's 10 minute stretch? Thank you. Can I speak? I'll let you. We'll let you. I, 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 I thought the karaoke stretch was very nice because we got to learn a bit more about everyone and we had some wonderful singing. Joseph can sing. Zoe yeah, can sing. Can. Well, we know Zoe can sing. It was great. She sings everything. <laughs> she does. She's in something, she's singing. Write the theme tune, sing the theme, the theme tune. tune. I've just come up with a new Tomsbury question. <laughs> but yeah, that... Um, that scene at the the sort of bar table when they're discussing the concepts of love, I think that's that's really fun, mm. um, and got, that's one of my favourite lines as well. Where they're on about uh, Springsteen, he's like, "Oh, I named my cat after Springsteen." Oh, what you call it, Bruce? It's very good. great, great gags. It's a really funny script. Um, no, I like that scene as well. It's quite cute. I like it, but there's a lot of issues I have with it as well, which we will come come round to. I have like issues that come from a place of like um, media theory and I've just done a dissertation on how men perceive women and now I'm like mm. yeah <laughs> I think you're on the same yeah it does <laughs> very much that. feel like I'm gonna write this strong independent woman character look at me I, I deserve a medal maybe that's maybe that's too cruel on the writers because uh, I do I, do, I, I don't know if summer is this is this car is this cardboard cutout. Uh, but some of the ways that they make her character in that scene sort of feels like no, 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 no. She's yeah, no. She's she's cool. She's she's independent. Um, but what as we however, I would argue against Summer being a manic pixie dream girl. I'm going to argue against it. Yeah. And it, I, and because oh, go on. A lot of people, a lot of people will say that she is, but I I disagree. I wrote an essay, wrote an essay on it in first year about wow. how. If anything, 500 Days of Summer is kind of a deconstruction of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl and the whole idea that, like, she isn't perfect. And actually, like, so, like, one example is, like, in the Ikea scenes, the two Ikea scenes. In the first one, they're making these jokes and stuff like that. And for Tom, that's a big, big moment. It's a huge moment. And then in the next Ikea scene, he makes a joke and she doesn't get it because it just wasn't a big moment for her. She never... She never deeps it. It was just a trip to Ikea, whereas he did. And she's not perfect. She doesn't remember remember nice stuff about people and, like, things like that. Whereas Manic Pixie Dream Girls, they do remember stuff like that. And they are, they're there to complete the main character, whereas Summer doesn't. Because Tom's idea of love is... It's so weird because you're also Tom. Tom's idea of love. Yeah, is I was that, talking about him earlier, and it, I felt like I was going insane. <laughs> I felt like but, talking to Tom's idea of love is that you meet someone who completes you and they're your soulmate and they complete you as a person and you're not a person until you meet them. And then my Tom's idea... Tom's opinion is also the same. <laughs> we need to... Right, from this one on, we call him JGL. That, from now on... No, I'm not going to remember that. JGL, anyway. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I don't care. Film Tom and non-film Tom. <laughs> People I'm going to call you Thomas. I'm going to call you Thomas for the remainder of this. Anyway, um, whereas Summer's concept of love, she doesn't really have one, but my concept of love, and I think what this film kind of expresses, is that 
you don't meet someone who completes you because you are your own person. They're their own person. You're just two people who come together and make two rather than two people come together and make one. You're two people, two separate people. You have your own separate lives. And like when whenever Tom talks about or two summer, one scene that grinds my gears now is when she's like, oh my God, I've never told anyone this before. And he makes it about himself. It's like, wow, Tom knew when he was listening to her talk that she'd never told anyone this before. And then he literally says, I guess I'm not just anyone or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, he does. yeah, that is. Bad. Oh, this is one of my notes. I literally wrote down like any guy who thinks like when he gets a girl's wall down that he deserves her because he's made it through that wall. Like, no, like, Oh, I had such a like cringe reaction to it, that. It was like <laughs> that in that in my opinion was the whole point that his relationship with Summer wasn't about Summer. It was about him. It was about him. Even when she's re- telling him her deepest darkest secrets, which by the way people do to their friends all the time. I'm not saying that they were friends at that point. They were clearly more than friends. But he makes it about himself and he's like, hm, "Guess I'm just, you know, the greatest guy ever because I'm listening to her talk about something she's never said before and I'm going to make it about me not her and he wasn't even listening to what she said we that, don't, that we was don't very noticeable this audience, one. yeah we don't even know as an audience what she said because Tom isn't listening all Tom can hear is oh my gosh she's telling me something she's never told anyone before I'm special I'm special our relationship is so special this has not the reality the reality is that she felt comfortable enough to tell someone something and it's probably because she's moved to an entirely new place and she doesn't feel like she has to be whoever she was work back where she lived before and so now she's meeting someone and she's like oh it's safe to tell them this thing about me and he doesn't even listen oh oh it makes me so mad so for you the narrator is tom's voice yeah tom it is about cut well the whole movie is like tom's brain essentially yeah. And the fact that, like, we don't get to hear that is a reflection of him not really remembering it because it's not a big deal to him. What's the big deal is the fact that she opened up and the fact that to him that means that, yeah, he deserves her because he's got further than anyone else. I wonder if there was ever a discussion early on about having uh, JGL uh, narrate, narrate, be the narrator instead of um, Richard Montgomery. I think it'd be two on the nose. Yeah, two on the nose. I and also, I like the James L. Jones. <laughs> I like the no, I like what the narrator. I didn't he hear what Will said. James L. Jones. I didn't hear he, what he could narrate anything. Mm, okay. What do you think, Will? I I I agree with everything said. Great, great, thank you. Speak, God damn it! What do you think? I'm sat here waiting to do. I've got all my categories written down, like we usually do in a podcast, and I've got we're, my, we're, my we're just tangenting. Minute. I've got all my. Well, we will finish. Well, we'll be. Well, we'll. We will be efficient, and we will be structural. Back yes, to ten minute stretch. I like both IKEAs. Very nice. I once got a book for Christmas that was make your own film lists or whatever and in my top five most romantic scenes I put the graduate wedding which is literally a, <laughs> what they say about Tom uh, early misreading of the of the ending of the graduate um uh, the end of the graduate the end of the apartment end of Casablanca 
and five days from IKEA. Uh, they probably still are. And obviously when Aramit's selling New Year's Eve. Well, how does it work? I, I will say that the IKEA scene, me and my brother still every now and again go, honey, there's an Asian family in our bathroom. <laughs> just a great, it's just a great gag. Um, it's just really funny and really, really lovely. And also I feel they, I think they are so, so close to their little gimmicks and their little falling in loves being insufferable. Like if they just, if that Ikea just goes on for a little bit longer or they, or they just run for just a bit faster and more boisterous, they immediately become insufferable. And it's the same with the penis scene, which we'll get to, but um, the, uh, they are just so close to being annoying, but the charm of Zoe and uh, Joseph, uh, when he is charming, because he is charming at points, I, I don't think there's a point where we don't think, obviously, I don't think there's a point in the movie where we don't believe them getting together. I think we believe them breaking apart, but I don't think there's a point where we're going, where we ever go, why the hell is she with him? Why is he with her? A little bit, kind okay. of, but also he he annoys me a little bit, but especially because like, so this is why the ending scene, I know you hate the ending scene, whatever. The ending scene is important because he asks Autumn out. He says to Autumn, yeah. would you like to go and get coffee? And he's not that, he's, he's a little bit bothered, but he's not like gonna kill himself because she initially turns him, him down but when he's talking about summer to his friends his friends go why don't you just ask her out and he goes no i can't do that mm. why not i well, couldn't this is be whole, like, like that. character I development proactive mm. i read something online that was like um commenting on the fact that one of his negatives earlier in the film is the fact that he he has like no uh confidence or like he won't put himself out there and he won't make things happen. And I've had loads of conversations with friends about this, how like people who are constantly like, oh, I want a relationship, I want a relationship, but just like sit there and don't do anything about it. You're never gonna find a relationship. You literally have to actively go out, meet people or like ask people out or just, yeah, try and speak to people in order for those things to then mm. happen. And in, yeah, in the first half of the film, when he's trying Tom to let things happen. Tom, not Thomas, Tom, film Tom. Not film Tom, but film Tom. She's making he, a big preface because it's going to be close to something in my real life. So she's making a no, preface. No, 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 no. I'm just saying he expects things to happen to him. He expects love to happen to him. And it doesn't. Because that's how I feel. Also, though, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in Tom Corner, film Tom, whatever. I'm gonna be in Tom Corner. He works with Summer. So in the back of his mind, that does kind of turn a switch off. Well, she'll always be there. Also, oh, actually, I've just I've got another thing that really pissed me off about Tom. I've just remembered. Whereas Autumn obviously is this flash in the pan thing. He needs to say something there. I dropped a number, I dropped a number like last month. Didn't come to anything, but I knew that's the only time I may see this woman. So yep. whereas he lives with Summer. Not lives. Sorry, he works for somewhere, and so what's that's that's maybe always going to be there. Maybe maybe it's a party. Maybe it's a karaoke, and something happens there. So maybe that's his thinking. I understand completely the oh look at me, I've got no confidence. Look at me, I've got no I, agency. I, but he so he never wants to ask her out, 
but then he gets an, really angry oh, yeah. when she's, he goes, oh, how was your weekend? And she goes, it was good. good. And he's like, oh, slut. But he, so he won't ask her out, but he'll get annoyed at the idea, the concept that he, that has been neither confirmed nor denied that she'd had sex. Ew. And that she's having fun without him as well. Yeah, but he yeah. won't ask her out. Exactly. And I know so many people who are like, I want a relationship, but won't do anything about it. And it's just, yeah, it, again, it's like a very human trait, but like. And the idea that he'd get annoyed that to... a grown woman was having sex and a grown adult woman was having sex. It's just because it wasn't with him. And she didn't even say he deserved that she'd her. had sex. Didn't even say that she'd had sex. All she said was, it was good. And then he gets like angry at a, he, shout, he has an angry penis shouts when she mentions when she makes that puma joke about oh no he never left the room um and he goes penis uh, which is uh, you know it's yeah. um also in 10 minute stretch i have the wedding which i don't know will will did you did you like the wedding you i presume you liked the wedding and thought oh this is going to be great however for us three every time the wedding is like the most bittersweet well, no, I presume you two at that point you don't like you don't want them to get together. But for me, the wedding is I, oh, maybe yeah. it's fully fueled no. by my complete love of weddings. Knowing me, uh, Knowing you, you expect that. Haha, um, he got onto the uh, the train and that little block behind, and then they go mm. to the wedding. And I'm thinking here, yay, they're going to get back together. It's all going to be magical. Um, and I liked how they played the penis game again. That was a nice little hint back. Jeez, but funny. it was. It was too good to be true, and it was teasing us, and it was showing us that maybe you know what, this it works better like this because they seem in that wedding scene more like friends because they have the great healthy jokey conversation about like all the things that they couldn't say at the time. Like, oh, you snore, and oh, your feet smell. But then I started thinking, wait, when I was in my relationship. That was the sort of stuff we would say in the relationship. So that also hints that when they were together, there was still this not complete knowing of each other. Obviously, that's a completely, that's a sentence that doesn't, can never exist. But there wasn't that sort of, um, there wasn't that sort of relationship. Yeah, communication and comfortability um, that you get in a really good, healthy relationship where it's like, yeah, no, you do, you really snort you are the worst snorer in the world. Also, they weren't together for that long. And I feel like in the first few months of a relationship, you don't really bring bring those sorts of things up. It's only when it gets later on that you feel more comfortable and you can Mm. say like, I don't like this about you. or And then the other person can say that they don't like something about you and you can still be together. It's not an issue. Mm. Whereas in those first hundred days, you're like, I don't want to scare them away. Mm. Yeah. And like, you can so see like, like, like Will was saying, they seem the most like friends that they ever have. Well, he's off now. Clearly, he's I said gone. something. He doesn't that's like upset him. He's, he's realised that he looks like he's he's uh, recording from a basement in Iran. He's finally opening a curtain <laughs> for some sunlight. It's too bright. Um. No, but um, so yeah, like when Will was saying, they're the most like friends that they've ever been. So Summer's like, oh, we're friends, we're getting back on track because you know she viewed him as one of her best friends. Um, I mean, she does send that and pretty he's cold like, email. This is romantic. I don't know if it is cold. Is that just me being me being 
a, a blinded man when because I that, that email does feel to me a bit untoward and cold when because it's like oh I'm glad to hear from you I hope this means that you're ready to be friends I know she has to say that but it, it does just feel a little bit out of place yes yes Mr Legata I think rather than an email it should have been a card yeah oh yeah I think that would have been a nice no I think that would have been a fucking kick in the teeth I think that the problem is is that when you do things over message you interpret the tone however you feel fit um my ex-boyfriend used to get like actually angry if I would misread a tone like a text from someone and I put a tone on it when reading it out he would actually get mad at me. Okay, everyone does it though. That's so you you'll so Tom will perceive that. I hope you're ready to be friends as kind of like smarmy. Tom, real Tom, perceives it as being cold. Whereas that's the kind of thing I'd say where it's like, I really hope you're ready to be friends because I miss being friends with you. Yeah. So then put that. And that's then how, put that. in my opinion, someone will interpret it. But write that then. Hmm? Write that. She just puts two sentences and ends with, I hope this means you're ready to be friends, comma, because I do really see you as a friend, Tom. I, we had some nice times, but I don't want to lose the whole thing just because we've lost something. We're at the, you know, the wedding and we were dancing. Well, he hadn't asked me yet. But he was in your life. Yeah. So why'd you dance with me? Because I wanted to. You just do what you want, don't you? You never wanted to be anybody's girlfriend, and now you're somebody's wife. Surprised me, too. I don't think I'll ever understand that. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It just happened. Right, but that's what I don't understand. What just happened? I just, I just woke up one day and I knew. Knew what? What I was never sure of with you. Put that. Um, I'm going to tell uh, TMI. I guess. I'm going <laughs> to let let the curtains go. No, and, I. Uh, oh, what? It's funny. No, this is funny. I wouldn't if funny. I were you. No, this is really funny. Okay. So, anyway, the end of the relationship, we obviously blocked each other and everything. And so, but I sent a final little nice email saying, you know, whatever, I'm sorry it ended terribly. I hope you have a great life, blah, 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 blah. And I opened it with, <laughs> you can't block email. Ha, ha, ha. And I knew it. It's terrible. Oh, I know. And so... <laughs> And obviously, her reaction. Why do you never consult with other people before you do these things? And then, so she, Everyone re- does it because, like, I've done, I've said stupid yeah. things to an ex before mm. because, like, even when everyone's like, "Don't do it, don't do it," you're like, "But I want to do it." Mm. And then it's only like three months later that you're like, "I shouldn't have done that." But and then her response back was, "I think you can actually." And then her little message. But um, and then we did the terrible winner takes it all conversation of, "I think we should talk." And at the, we did have a laugh about you can't block it, you can't block an email, ha, ha, ha. Because in real life, you laugh about those things. That's something, anyway. 
Thomas the, Tom is the sort of person that would change a shared Netflix account username to please message me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you say that as if I've ever shared an account or anything with anybody. Um, famously hate sharing. <laughs> Thomas Carruthers famously hate sharing. Um, it was nearly the Thomas Carruthers show with Will Legator. Uh, but I, I agree. No, I'm kidding. Uh, where are we now? Uh, we're only at Tom's Wheeler's specific favourite by the film. I'll fly through these. Sid and Nancy gag, very funny. I, I love the Bell and Sebastian yeah. cameo. <laughs> I love Bell and Sebastian as a band, and I found that very funny. Anal Girl, um, you know what I need. Oh, yeah, Donner. that was so funny. Um, also, I love Summer's agency and humour. I, I think Summer's really, really funny. I love the penis at the wedding. And I love, um, yeah, I'm stalking, starving. I think it's really funny. And and or are you going to say that it's weird that she just passes off her friend uh, saying you've stalked her? I think it's very playful. Yeah. Um, it's one of my like, favourite lines. I've always mm, liked, this is really weirdly specific, when in the Ikea and that he's eating and then he twiddles the label on the knife. Yeah, I like that a bit. <laughs> I always like that. I really need to learn how to take better notes because I put here kids' penis. Um, I'm talking about when <laughs> it's when they go, there's kids, and then she goes, there's no kids, and then it's just the faintest group of kids oh, yeah. in the background, and they're all laughing. I just think that's a that, really well timed. It's something though, like humor's, um, Summer's humor. Summer is so much funnier than Thomas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I, one of my favourite parts is the Clark Gregg little bit in the series of things about love. And it's, yeah, no, me and my wife have been together 21 years. And he says the quote from the card. He's like, yeah, that's from my cards. It doesn't mean it's not true. I just really like, I really like Clark Gregg. In this. I think he's very good. Oh, um, I like Clark Gregg. Clark Gregg, not only Agent Coulson, but also wrote What Lies Beneath, which is just a weird fact. What? He fully wrote What Lies Beneath. I thought I said this on the What Lies Beneath podcast. I, well, I, knew, this. I knew this. I knew this. That was like peak quarantine. So, so maybe you don't remember. But yeah, no, he, that was how he got in. He, he wrote What Lies Beneath. Love What Lies Beneath. Um, Katrina, Becky, Will, weirdly, weirdly specific parts. Um, I like when he's describing her. And she's, he's like, oh, like the heart-shaped first mark. And then the next Rock time it's like, a cockroach. I don't know why, but the fact that he says it looks like a cockroach, that bit always made me laugh. I know it's kind of like, oh my God, okay. But it always made me laugh. She's like the wind through my tree. I love she's like the wind. Uh, anything else? Anything else, Katrina, that's Something. sticking out? Oh. Oh. No, right. um, anyway, <laughs> Something I was like literally lying in bed last night and thinking about was um, the, you know, when they do the like old fashioned cinema sort of clips. Yeah. And then there's like suffering, suffering. Oh, um, the, 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 the oh yeah, they're really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love there's them. The one, the one where the clown comes over and takes his balloon <laughs> and then lets it go. And I know it's supposed to be just like a funny thing, but like mm. I was, oh, I was just overthinking it. And I was like, isn't it such a good representation of the fact that like someone is saying, look, you need to let go of this, mm. aka let he go of summer. He doesn't want to. 
yeah and he looks up like no no why did you do that and gets angry because someone else has tried to like make her go away without his consent essentially and also this a balloon let's really overthink a balloon always has to go eventually because if you keep hold of a balloon it loses its air and gets limp in the corner and then you have to pop it's a it really good analogy have we discussed before on this podcast about my childhood phobia of kites and balloons? <laughs> no. Well, we what? did a full podcast on the Inside Number Nine episode, The Last Gasp, which is entirely centred around a balloon, and you didn't mention this. It's it's something that that haunted me to like the age of twelve. It it was yeah. I think just as a child, you know, you went to a lot of birthday parties and it would end at what Frankie and Betty's or Pizza Hut and they'd have the balloons in the middle of the table and you'd all take one away and then it must have been the day that it flew out of my hand and I went no I don't have it anymore and I felt oh no it's gone away someone paid for that it's a waste of money like whenever I bought a kite and it flew away I'm like no someone's bought me a kite and now I've lost it and I just I could never that just sounds like anxiety I've known you five years. How did I not know this? Literally five you, years in September. You told me this story because I had a whole like emotional breakdown when that happened to me literally last year. <laughs> and yes. when when Becky when Will told Becky this story, they were late in bed, and Becky was thinking, Will has never wow. told anybody about I... this balloon story before. <laughs> I was special. I was so special. Nobody else knows about his balloon, <laughs> his balloon frightened. James L. Jones was just sat in the corner. <laughs> Uh, I'm James. trying to think. I have another bit, but it's not like weirdly specific enough. Shoot. Oh, mine. Yeah, the whistle. The whistle in the soundtrack. I don't know why. I love that. I think it's so great. I just saw a thing that Holy was like uh, when Tom. That sound plays whenever Tom is inspired by something that Summer does. But mm. it it's when it, how it makes him feel. If it makes him feel like. Wow. Not even, not just like, someone never hears that. He hears that himself. Mm. I don't know, but I love that. I love that. The whist- I don't know, it's very haunting. Mm. I, I love like the whole it. score. It's, my, it's Michael Giacchino, isn't it? Let me double check. Um, 500 days of Suma. Um No, it's completely wrong. It's Michael Danner and Rob Simonson, who also did these scores for... Life of Pi and 8mm, two very, very, very different films. One of us is about Nicolas Cage <laughs> finding a snuff film ring and the other's Life of Pi. Um, Oof, I hate that film. Sorry. Anyway, Richard Barker. Which story my, do you um, My specific notes. Um, I've got that opening title card, the, uh, the little author's note. Um, but any resemblance uh, is purely... Especially you. <laughs> especially Jenny you, Jenny Beckham. Bitch. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> What an opening. Um, yeah, very great sets. And Jenny Bettman's real. Uh, Jenny Bettman was uh, Scott Nysander's uh, real um, ex. Yeah. Um, I've got any time. This is a Tom move, like a real Tom <laughs> yeah. move. No, that's not true. I'll let you know that I've wrote a, I wrote a full screenplay for my ex and all the little love songs are all, and all this, so many different references. And it, and it used to say, for my darling, blank. And, then, and now it says, for my darling blank, who never read this, but 
uh, I could remove this note. However, to remove is to forget all the joy and to completely undermine the message of the script, which is about moving on and acceptance and all that, which is probably a healthier thing that you than you've ever heard me say ever about. The yeah, story. I mean, it sounds thing. disingenuous, but yeah. I've got any time we get just a sliver of Patrick Swayze. I like how they don't use it. If they just use that little motif, uh, well, that's great. This podcast is going well. However, I think we should stop it and start a new podcast called Slither of Swayze, where every week we only watch a minute of a Swayze movie. <laughs> like, ooh, today, today, today is just the bit in Day Dancing where he's topless and uh, they're in bed. And they'll still be three hours long. I've got <laughs> the, uh, the, the moment where he, uh, they take the drunk friend away and he's like, oh, we, we like you. And she's like, oh, is that true? And there's just that moment where the moment and nothing happens and she just walks off. I love that. Uh, and then that's followed straight after by the photocopier kiss, which is magical. Very nice, yeah. Uh, I didn't like that scene. I really didn't like it. Which one? It photocopier or very... are they will, will they won't they kiss? The in the like photo photocopier room. It it's is very, very unprofessional. Yeah. It is, it does feel very fantastical. So it, it, I, I felt uncomfortable it with it. <laughs> yeah? And it wasn't because it was at work. I just, it was like the way it was done. I don't know. It's very sudden. Could you look at it like Joaquin Phoenix? Uh, do, does does Summer exist? Is she just, does she just work with him? And is the whole thing happening in his head? He's just I have this. Is this I, one of your questions? No, I have this in fun facts. Off. So we will oh. get to it. Um so that's 10 minutes stretch. And now we move on to Soundtrack Corner. Um, pretty great soundtrack. People, I think people, varied opinions. People either like to point to this as, oh, oh everything's awesome. The big thing is the Smiths. I feel the make or break scene for so many people with this film is the, I love the Smiths. Holy shit. For a lot of people, that's make or break. And for me, I think I... I think it needs to be a more niche Smith song for it yeah, to this, work. Yeah, I agree. They're literally playing There Is A Light That Never Goes Out, which <laughs> is the Smith song. It needs to be just a, a smaller Smith song. And uh, I love the Smiths. I, I think it works. I think it's perfect for what the film is. If we're looking at this sort of third wave uh, dissection of the Pix Manic Pixie Dream Girl, looking at it through this Tom Lenz, of course, you know, she likes the Smiths, you know, holy shit. And in reality, well, maybe... His no. sister says, his sister oh, says, I've got because a, a girl, <laughs> just because a girl likes the same, like, weird shit as you do, doesn't mean she's your soulmate. That's always yeah. resonated with me a lot. I feel like... That I wrote that down too. I feel like I've got that coming. Because that's never happened in my life. And so I do think if I met somebody who loved Mad Men as much as me, like I could get over a lot of things because <laughs> it's never happened. Yeah, me either. Yeah. All my all my exes have always had like quite different interests to me, and in a way, I think that's kind of why we didn't work. But like in this respect, he only likes summer. First of all, he falls in love with her the second he sees her, so fucking shallow. Okay, like you can find some attractive. Very beautiful. 
Yeah, but it's very much a... the point is that he doesn't know her and he never mm. knows her. He just sees her. You know, it's this whole idea of the male gaze, which is, you know, media. Exactly the whole, what I was going to say. The whole point is that he sees Summer through this male gaze as a thing for him to fall in love with, for him to put his emotions on. He never sees her as a person. So when he sees her for the first time, he's like enamored by her. Not enamored by her personality. He just knows it. I can't remember the quote, but I swear the quote literally says like the narrator or something like when he saw her, he knew that she was the one. Yeah. But he, he doesn't know her. How can you know? All he knows is that she's beautiful. Soundtrack corner. Okay, uh, so our two categories of soundtrack corner are, as always, uh, best song full stop, so just best song on the soundtrack, and best use of a song. Uh, let's start with best use of a song. Will? Uh, you make my dreams come true. Do, 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 do. I, I mean, if I could just Incredible. talk about that, that, I mean, it's definitely in my um, favourite minute. Yeah, um, we'll talk about this now as a sort of scene as well as the song. Yeah. I mean, it's everything I love ever um and it's very reminiscent of that scene uh, that's how you know from enchanted it's that very magic yeah everything, everyone just can dance all of a sudden it's all in the street that was that's yeah well, it's very a reflection energy. of him being like i've just had an amazing moment musical number because that's how the films go it's again it's like him living his perfect film life i mean that does sometimes how it feels it's one of my best single minutes. It's just yeah. like a random dance number. We can be, we can be like cynic. I, I, I don't know. I say we can be cynical. I think it's a completely justified cynicism, and it's the point of the film. But also, that is sometimes just how it feels. Not even just sex with somebody. Just you know, if you really have a great connection with somebody or a kiss or something, anything, the morning after you're like, I can rule the world. I've had so long. It's a very good way to do sort of show not tell sort of mm. rather than him going to the pub and go oh you never guess what happened to me last night um instead he's just walking out and it's just pure joy mm. yeah but you know when, when i first watched it i didn't get that bit i was like mm. i didn't realize that they'd had sex <laughs> uh -huh. i also didn't get the i also didn't get the shower i also didn't oh. get that bit when i first watched it what the shower no, I, no I, I got the shower bit. That's very explicitly about sex. But the the bit where, when she was like, it was good. I never oh, got why yeah. I was so angry until, like, it was Puma. Yeah. Puma took me a while, and they show it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I... I uh, best? Yeah, maybe maybe that... I just um, talked about my, my best use. Yes, the hero. My I best like, use is yeah, hero. hero as well, yeah. Hero's my grand. best use is um it's a really random one but the smiths let me get what i want um because it's it's such like a him begging moment like please let me have what i want which is you summer that's it's one of the saddest songs ever written in my life <laughs> it, that and i know it's over i just knock me out anytime i mean and i guess again it's one of the smiths biggest hits so um it's sort of well known now and sort of people can use it as a parody but then when you just listen to it without cynicism it just floors you every time it's so beautiful and then another one is the Adles at the wedding i think yeah when great. they're like yeah, meeting yeah. up at last and the fact that he's like oh we're like 
seeing each other and we're back together like that works every really song well. has been picked for a, a moment specifically oh, a very specific yeah. music. which leads me to one of my favorites is just the use of the bookends theme from the my favorite Simon and Garfunkel yes bookends. I was just about to say that. absolutely beautiful piece of music and um obviously there's the whole graduate theme and the Simon and Garfunkel of it all um very beautifully uh, done which leads us into best song full stop uh, back back to Will, what, I, are you going to give it to She's Like the Wind? You make my dreams come true. <laughs> this is pretty good. Um, she's Like the Wind's massive. Love She's Like the Wind. Really, really like Pixies. Here, co here comes your man. <laughs> Just great, great song. Um, and also, of course, um, Training Vain, Stand By Me, uh, by The Clash. Great choices for those karaoke songs, especially, of course, uh, Sugar Town. By Nancy Sinatra. I uh, like. Becky, I mean, I'm like a massive. I'm a massive Regina Spektor Sachs uh, fan. Mm. So, um, literally, I watched this film, heard Us for the first time. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I'm obsessed with this woman now. I and, like, was just I had about an MP3 to say that's my favorite one. As well. <laughs> I had an MP3 player at the time, and I forced my brother on the computer to download me all of Regina Spektor's music. <laughs> because I loved it this much. But I think that's a great one. It, it is actually a good one because the, some of the lyrics in it, like they made a statue of us and like our noses have begun to rust. Like it's a whole idea that like, that's kind of like how you use love and you can view it in like this like, wow, like it's us, it's all about me and you, like that's everything. But also at the same time, like there's a, it's a statue. It's not, it's not you, it's the statue, that whole idea. And um two things from that obviously the, the great sad gag well no he says it as a joke i do, i do think there's a there is an understanding between them i do we can say that it's you know oh she's a perfect she's this perfect woman but when he does the gag in expectation versus reality of you know i always thought why make something disposable like a greeting like a building when you can make something that lasts forever like a greeting card and everybody laughs but lovely moment from Zoe of just drinking her wine and going this man is not at rock bottom but I do feel I, I could never save him because nobody nobody can save him at this point he is going through some stuff and um, yeah. I hope he I hope he has his architecture and um, also obviously the great card when he's on his one of my single minutes when he's um, on his sort of I can help everybody I can do absolutely everything and uh, I, he looks at her and I love us. And then obviously the song is buzz and obviously nice. Um, which takes us away from Soundtrack Corner and takes us into oh, Oscar Travesty, which I haven't got up. And I don't think, do we need to? I don't think it's an Oscar. I don't, I don't know what no. it is. I don't know. It's not an Oscar type film. It's no. an indie film. It was an indie film. Well, I mean, indie films. Were Mrs. <laughs> Miss, Mrs. Regina Spector's biggest fan were Us and um, Hero original songs, or were they previously Regina Spector songs? They're Regina. She sings it. They're Regina Spector songs. No, I know. In the... As in, were they written for the film? Because I put those in. For no, no, no. They're, they're originals. I'm pretty sure. All oh, right. Well, there you go. Regina Spector. Without even seeing the nominees, Regina Spector wins for Hero, um, which takes us into best single minute. Um, I've talked about mine: the Smith scene, the Sugar Town, uh, the. Uh, helping people. Becky? Um, I mean, <laughs> one of my favourites was the You Make My Dreams Come True. Yeah. And I've already mentioned the like old time cinema, but with the balloon. Um, 
Ikea scenes, but I also wrote down like um, any scene that he has with his sister, because it's just, there's quite a lot of good jokes and gags there. Um, But I also want to bring up the topic that like, there's a running theme in a lot of films where like an older guy has a younger sister or a younger daughter who is like all knowing and can give all this life advice to this older man. And I remember reading an article about it once. I can't quite remember like what it was getting at, but it was basically saying like, why do we keep portraying like these 30 year old men as needing like a 13 year old girl to tell them, no, you're doing your life wrong. And realistically, like these 12, 13 year old girls aren't normally that like knowledgeable about all these things. It's very much like a film thing. Yeah, I definitely wasn't. There's a really good, there's a, no, there's a really good example in Woody Allen's Crimes of, oh wait. And um, Becky, Katrina, any, any favourite uh, best single minutes? Um, yeah, so I love the bit where they're describing their dream girls and Matthew Gray Goobler's character is talking about his girlfriend, Robin. Yeah, like and he's like, oh, my dream girl, like, I think she'd have like a really, I love, I love the word, I love how he says bodacious. He goes a really bodacious rat, different hair maybe. And she'd be a little bit more into sports, but it doesn't matter because Robin's better because Robin's real. And I was just like, but I, I wrote about this in my essay. So this is great, but you never meet Robin. Mm. We never oh. see Robin. We Fun do because it's Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's Robin. He is. Oh, Will, you stepped on my <laughs> on my big joke. I was going to... Oh. You, you have no idea. I've got a great oh, joke for later. Okay, I've got a Batman, great joke okay. for later. Just you wait. Just you wait. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> okay, oh, I've been Batman. holding literally half here. I won't say what it's but joke to remind me. Um, <laughs> uh, what's it going to... Uh, uh, oh, um, we were going to see them. Uh, that whole visions of love, ideas of love thing was going to be another five minutes longer. And we were going to meet Robin. We were going to meet Tom's mother. We were going to say... Uh, Summer was going to say something but it was just cut for time. But yeah, no, I just found it interesting um, that the only two women you meet in this film, like properly, is his sister and his... So he doesn't like have any female friends. No. He has no female friends. I think that's very important. Mm. Men with no female friends scare me. They do, they do. Because they don't know how to talk to women without wanting... A relationship or wanting to have sex with them well, they like can't send, do yeah. it they can't do emails it. saying you can't block email ah, ha, ha, ha. well you could have consulted your friends about that and they'd have probably I mean, said i, I wouldn't do that for you Tom's just admitted he doesn't have any female friends i'm sorry to, to sorry, that yeah sorry guys sorry guys <laughs> Down the drain. Yeah. The rest of I think I I understand why they chose his sister. Mm. But I think it would have worked better if Robin had have actually been a part of that and she'd been the one that given him advice and he'd actually had a female friend. But I think the whole point is he doesn't have any female friends to go to and like ask about Summer. Because I mean, maybe I have given some questionable advice in the in, in the past. Um, sorry, Becky. Um, but it always comes from a place of wanting to, like, ex- you know, like I, I, I give Tom good advice. I think. Maybe yeah, I no, 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 no. Becky, uh, Katrina, and I have great female friends. Um, 
I, I think I put it in the Christmas card, didn't I, Becky? About um, uh, Katrina didn't get a Christmas card this year. She got one last year, but uh, Will got one because I could hand it to him. Um, but in both of those Christmas cards, because obviously that was post breakup, and I put in both of them how uh, you you you're great, you're great, you're great. Yeah, no, I completely see your point about female advice. He has um, no yeah. female friends, and he the only person he has is his little sister, who gives great advice. But as Becky was also a child, is a child. She gives Why the great is she PMS giving her, her brother relationship advice? Yeah, I've never gave my siblings relationship advice. No, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have now, but I'm twenty. I've seen it in so many films as well, and I'm like, I, I, I can't remember what this article was talking about but it was just it was weird like mm. why why is the film industry decided that all these 30 year old men needed 12 year old girls to tell them about their relationships yeah i i do i do think the point is that you know obviously he has no female friends and like he clearly doesn't isn't friends with robin we never see robin he's with his other friends a lot like he clearly isn't doesn't really know her very well either. Mm. And and frizzy haired guy's makes, a terrible, terrible sounding boss. But that makes sense. Is that mm. he's he's in love with Robin as a person? That that clip. He's in love with Robin as a person, not who she could be, or not someone else because of what that's his opinion of what his dream girl should be. But he likes Robin because of who she is as, as an actual person. Whereas I think in another, I don't know if it's in this scene or another scene where um, Tom says, oh, I like the way she makes me feel. Mm. So he doesn't, he, he literally always brings it back to himself and how someone makes him feel, not who someone is as a person. I, th I think it's interesting that not only do we not see Robin, but we never see Robin and Tom in the same room at the same time. Sorry, I just keep doing these. Because Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays Robin in the Dark Knight trilogy. It's a good joke. My joke will be better. We're going to wait. Um, best line. You don't. You never wanted to be somebody's girlfriend, and now you're somebody's wife. I'll never understand that. It's very understandable. People change. <laughs> He's just uh, blinded by pain. Uh, however, big, big, like... That, this always struck me as a really cruel line in previous in previous watches, where I've either been in the thick of a breakup or younger or ten. But now, I think it's the the best thing she could ever say. Is I just woke up one day and I knew knew what what I was never sure of with you, and I I, I always thought oh, that that was my big it was, summer is a bitch moment of why would you say that? Just give it, just you know. You know, the man's been through enough. Just you don't need to pour salt in the wound. But now I think, yeah, what a yeah, and bring him, bring him down, and it will happen, maybe, Tom. But like it's happened with me, it just wasn't our time. Uh, Becky, any favorite lines? Um, this is a story of boy meets girl, but you should know up front this is not a love story. <laughs> Obviously, they used to call me anal girl. I was very neat and organized. Because that sounds like me. Um, <laughs> what Katrina said earlier, which is that just because some cute girl likes the same bizarre crap you do doesn't mean she's your soulmate, Tom. Um, there's no such thing as love. It's fantasy. I'm stalking. I mean, starving. 
Um, I just want to, okay, this one I really like. I just want to know that you won't wake up in the morning not feeling the same way. I can't give you that. Nobody can. Because, like, that made me think. I was like, yeah, no one can guarantee that they're never going to change their mind. Like, you never know what your life is going to throw at you. And there's always going to be potential that, you know, unless you're literally saying, like, I will never, ever break up with you, ever, which I don't think anyone can guarantee. Yeah. Um, Why didn't they work out what always happens? Life. Like that one as well. She's very, uh, she's very knowledgeable and knowing is somehow. She's, as I, I was to my earlier point, she knows that relationships end and, and uh, I, I don't get that vibe of Tom. Uh, Katrina, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, it's a, a thing, she highlights it at the beginning, but like I think anyone who's gone through their parents divorcing mm. has that from a very young age of, things end and actually sometimes it's for the best and that's fine but it's it's people who've never had that from like their parents so if their parents are still together then people tend to be a a lot more like everything's a fairy tale it's like a disney fairy tale because that's what i've been told through films so it's all about like yeah what you've what experience you've had i agree oh i did have some like two others um i think you're only remembering the good stuff which is something yeah, my sister mine. says. And I really do hope that you're happy. And then she walks off. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I like the, I know you, you think she was the one, but I think you're just remembering the good stuff. Next time you look back, I really think you should look again. Because Summer looks so depressed in any <laughs> of the later scenes of their relationship. She looks so sad and she's like wearing dark. So I'm wearing blue. She wears so much blue and light colours. Because um, I love costume theory. She wears so much blue and light colours and like shirts and really airy clothes. Um, whenever, when, at the beginning of their relationship when you first meet her. And then when she's really sad, she wears a lot of darker colours. I think when they're breaking up, I think she's wearing a burgundy blazer and like a green jumper underneath. I might be wrong, might be making that up. But she wears a lot of darker colours, especially in that breakup montage um which is like she's unhappy she isn't happy she isn't happy stringing him along she isn't happy in the relationship she doesn't feel fulfilled you know they their relationship is ending but then when you see her again at the wedding she's wearing a blue dress when you see her in the engagement scene she's wearing a blue dress again and then when he sees her finally she's wearing a blue jumper with a gray coat over it even though it's winter, because I'm pretty sure it's winter in the scenes where, or like colder months in the scenes where they broke up initially. And then when they finally see each other again, it's cold again. So she, but she isn't wearing these dark colours. She's still wearing that blue motif. So like when you look, when you can look back as the, the, the audience, you can see even in her costume and the way she looks, like her makeup, like she looks sad. She is sad. She isn't happy. Whereas when, like you see her again after they've had that time apart. She's still wear- she's wearing blues again because she's happy, probably happier than ever. So yeah, that's my take on that line. And Will, any favourite lines? Uh, I've said all of mine. Fair enough. Uh, which takes us to uh, what's the change, Becky? This I think we've sort of we've moved. We've sort of touched on 
uh, I feel what you're about to say, but let's say it outright. I don't think we have. So oh, you, oh you, so there's something okay. else. Okay. There's multiple things. Um, okay, first of all, it's like not particularly relevant to the film, but right at the start in the voiceover, they say there's only two kinds of people in the world. There's women and then there's, and then there's men. And just it wouldn't sit well in the modern day. No. Very anti-non-binary. Um, but then on to kind of the more like general topics was um, they say like things like pretty girls can treat people like crap and get away with it. And it's it's kind of a comment of I don't I don't know how to describe it, but it she's not treating anyone like crap. It's just that they feel like they deserve something because she's pretty and they like her. And if they say to, if the girl says to them, oh, I don't like you, then they're like, oh, well, you're a mean person. Um, and then again, like when they say that essentially, like when she says, oh, I don't want a relationship and they say like, oh, you must be a lesbian then. Like, cause if a girl doesn't like you, then clearly she must be a lesbian or there must be something wrong with her. Becky, I don't want to step on what you're saying, but are these changes or are these unfortunately realistic depictions of conversations that people do, shitty conversations people do have? Well, I think this is the thing, is like, it, it, it is weirdly accurate of like how men are. And I literally wrote in my other note, like, it's just, an, it's a weird depiction of how like so many guys are so shitty um, and how they all like a lot of them have this sort of opinion of like yeah I deserve a girl and um if she doesn't like me then there must be something wrong with her not me um I, I don't know so yeah maybe it's like a realistic thing rather than like something that needs changing and obviously when you get towards the end of the film people have had their character development and you hope that they're not like that anymore um it's just that like I don't know. It really annoys me. I think it's me. also that watching it from a female perspective, you're like, oh, people actually think this. That's really sad. It's a I'm matter sorry. of it's a matter of wondering how knowing the script is, whether they wrote those things as great gags or this is how exactly. people watch. That's the thing. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't the, really have a solidification. Of the I mean, I do think. See, the thing is that is kind of. So the guy who wrote it obviously wrote it about. Summer is based off the woman. Real life Jenny Beckman, yeah. Yeah, is I've like so it's kind of like this fine line between like, does he actually think this, or is this him being like, this is how I used to think, and like I had the character development that Tom's had in this film. Because I think it's really interesting that Tom's an architect in this film. I know Will loves that Tom's an architect in this film, um, because Will is an architect, mm. or is going to be an architect, I suppose. But I think it would make more sense, actually, if Tom had have been a filmmaker or Tom had have been an artist, mm -hmm. because so much of it is like, I, I'm almost like, you've, I can forget he's an architect because it almost feels like he views Summer in from a filmmaker's perspective. Yeah. But like, so it's kind of like this fine line between is this guy who wrote it is that how he thinks about women is that how he used to think about women and now he's like I don't think this anymore so I, I understand what Becky's saying but in my mind I like to think we're supposed to be disgusted by what they're saying 
we're supposed to like not like it it's the fact that someone never says like they're just allowed to believe it and summer kind of sits there and doesn't say anything back about it like yeah i wish maybe i think it's it's partly this is like a 2009 film this wasn't like as kind of in the public eye as uh, this sort of issue wouldn't have been an issue back then well it was but like people didn't talk about it as much but like it's just the fact that she just sits there and goes like I don't want a relationship they say all these things like oh you must be a lesbian then or you must be a robot yeah, can you imagine if someone said something like that to and me? she's just like okay and I'm like fucking hell I would like flip absolutely yeah can flip. you imagine I've, no. I've flipped on Tom and Will before when they've they've skated a line I've like had you know arguments with them over it when you've skated a line when you've been sad and upset and hurt you've said things i've I've, I've kicked back at you yeah i don't like that i feel like summer would yeah the fact that she doesn't yeah i get what you mean it's kind of out of character for her but then again when you're with new people that you don't really know very well especially in a workplace environment you might not want to flip the switch and be a crazy bitch yeah. Even though I probably would. <laughs> and then, and then their final summation of that that scene is, she's a dude. Oh my god, she's a dude. As, as yeah. The idea of uh, Will keeps on, on in the zoo. Will keeps raising his hand. Will. I, th- I think going back to uh, Katrina's earlier point, I think it does work that he's an architect because it's that idea that he's creating his own world where he's the. Main oh character. yeah, that's a good point actually. He's, but in the people where he wants him to be and he's sort of constructing it like a filmmaker would, like an artist would, because in a way it, it is an artistic profession and right. he's, he's sketching that through the whole time. I think that really works. And I suppose he's always got this idea. He always draws the same thing, basically, mm. you know, like he's always drawing the same, the same building mm. that, that one. So I guess that's kind of, that building is summer in a way. Or himself. But also, yeah. interestingly, doesn't he say, when he's drawing it on her arm, he says, like, oh, you could use space better or, like, get the light better by doing this. Mm. It's almost like he's trying to make the situation she's, better, she, make he's, her better. Ah, he's trying to make her blend into well. the architecture. She's now becoming part of his drawing, his story. By, by you change my mind, Will. You change my her. mind. Becky, any further changes? No, I I think it was just, yeah, despair at his original state and knowing how many guys that I have encountered who have that opinion. And it, oh. He's got such a victim complex, I mm. think. He's always the victim, but he's also the hero, I'm which conflicts. My story yeah, it, it conflicts. It, it really conflicts because he's the hero and he's the victim. And I guess he's kind of the villain of his own story as well. You know, that whole idea, he's kind of self-sabotaging. Sabotage. For having these, like, opinions on how love should be, he's self-sabotaging himself because everything has to be perfect, whereas in reality, things aren't always perfect behind the curtain Thomas Jonker others the second screenplay I ever wrote was called Teenage Dream and that was all about like, not after the Katy Perry song after the Mark Bolan song the Mark Bolan I remember when he first told me that it was the first time I never 
mentioned it. I just genuinely thought it was about Katy Perry. And so, yeah. It was a whole tri- it's a whole trilogy, actually. Teenage Dream, Dreaming, and then Road to Nowhere. Um, and I think I, they're not, I don't think they're terrible. Um, you probably like them, you dream, actually. I'd, anyway, uh, the, and it's a whole trilogy, Henry. And uh, yeah, his whole thing, the whole arc of the first film, anyway, uh, is him coming to terms with his movie, likes movies, whatever. And he comes to terms with the fact that, yeah, this self-sabotage that, you know, he'll never have anything because he's obsessed with movies. And, and you know, that's, you'd set, you're setting yourself up for a fall. Uh, Katrina, any changes? Hmm. I think I already said some, hmm. but like, also it makes sense that he doesn't have female friends. Yeah. Maybe I'd have made his sister a bit older, perhaps. Yeah. But also, I, maybe I'd have given made his sister give him bad advice sometimes as well. Yeah, like she, to do. She tends um, to give him just great advice. Maybe, maybe to have given him like bad advice would and have then for him to realize. Worked. Oh wait, I'm talking to a 13 year old. Yeah, and that whole that would be part of his character development is realizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that. Going, yeah like, why am I relying on her for all this advice? Yeah, but good. we don't really get that. Um, well, any changes? That that links to my chain. I don't really like the opening where uh, we see her march into the room and he's smashing the plate. She's like, yeah, the smashing the plate is very 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 over yeah. the top. And I mean, it's just I think the point is that if he's making a film out of his own life. Yeah. So in a film, you would smash the plates. You would mm. do things like that because it's dramatic. He's making, yeah. Um. Anything else, Will? Uh, that is that is it. I think I well, don't, I I don't, everything that everyone's discussed. We've talked about the sister. I don't think I like Chloe Grace Moretz in this. I don't know. If, uh, I, I I love her in Kickass. Love her in other things, but I don't know. Hugo. She, yeah, she's very nice. Very good in Hugo. I am. Um, I don't know. If she works for me in this, and I can't really put a finger on it. But I actually don't think it's her anymore. I think it's the character, and we've discussed that. Um, I don't like him screaming, I hate this song on the bus. Get a grip. Nobody would ever actually However, do that. I've written down the bus driver is, is my star of the show. I love that guy. You're going to have to great. Do that. Um, I don't like at the end of expectation versus reality. I know it's sketch. I know he's an artist. I know all of this. I know why they did it. But it's just a bit cringy for me when it like the, all, every, all the buildings turn to sketch. And then it's you know cringe. what? I'm surprised you haven't brought up Tom. Oh, the blonde, muscly guy that apparently Summer is marrying, which me, you and Becky had a large argument about, in which you were convinced that you saw the fiancé's face and he was this blonde, muscly guy. And I don't even think you do. That's completely... Back of his head. No, it's completely untrue. Uh, I'm going to get up the scene now. Um, you fully see his face. He is a blonde Adonis. Um, I'm going to look again. I have to look again. because I bear- expectations and reality now. And we were like... He is, okay. he is blonde. You he see the back blonde. of his head and his hair, but you do, don't see his face, really. That's so you wouldn't be able to tell like who he is. No, you definitely see his face. I, okay, um, I'm getting it up and I'm going to watch it. I've got it here. Wait, I'm not going to play the right. music. I'm just going to watch it. I've got it here as well. Right, he's drinking his beer. He's, oh, no, that's it's default. Right, I've got... Why make something so artificial as a greeting card? He's drinking his beer. Oh, they're about to kiss. No, they've seen the ring. Wait, when does... does it? It's all right, it's all right. Write a song, it's all right, it's all right. Write a song. They're looking at, this, they're looking at the ring. I imagine you'd cut this bit out. I literally watched this 
this today. Now he's running away. This is going to drive me mad. I'm going to turn on my Blu-ray. Wait a minute. Right, we're going to go... So, you, you think that this guy is her fiancé, whereas actually, if you look at the body language, I'm pretty sure it's this guy. Oh, are we, are we, oh, wait a minute. No, it's the guy she shakes her hand with. It's the guy, it's the blonde guy. I, I, I wouldn't shake my hands with a fiance. No, because look, she, she, the way, look, so she hugs him as if she's just seeing him. Why would you hug your fiance like that? It's, you never see his face. That's the point. That's not the scene I'm thinking and he looks of. Kind of. It's in one of the clips where she's getting married. And they go to kiss, and you just see you see her face, and then the back of his head. Yeah, you don't see oh, him there. Okay. I'm talking about in expectation versus reality. No. Oh, so you think it's that guy? So this has been the conversation the whole time. Okay, then. Well, I think it's blonde guy. See, no, because why would she hug him in a greeting? That makes no sense. Because you've been at a party. Because you've been at. A, I've got this. I've got this. I've got this in the bag. Because you've been no, at a party. No, I. I will. You will never ever convince me because the whole point is you don't see his face. No, it's my because... opinion. The whole point is you're never supposed to see his face from the back. You can kind of say that he even looked a bit like Tom, the other guy. Look, he's waiting as she hugs her friend. He's waiting, and then look, they're like, "Oh, this is my fiance." No, I think it's the opposite. I think they've because she. No, do you want to know why you think that? To the party. You, you really want her, her fiance to be. You were, you literally were going crazy and mad and angry about it. The point is, right? The body language. I've seen people. You would never hug and then go, "Oh, this is so and so." The point is, she's going hugging. It's an engagement party, basically. She hugs him. She goes, "Oh, this is my new fiance," and then he goes, "Oh, yes." Hiya. No, because where has he been? The guy, that guy, okay, I can't say, but the guy that you pointed to is the same guy as you see in that wedding clip with the back of his hair. So you're wrong. The blonde guy is not the fiancé. I've always thought, because he's not at, but right, here's the thing. He's not at that party the entire time. So I think that. What if he is? What if he is? And Tom just doesn't see it. Okay, because that's Tom's fair not focusing on that. That's fair enough. But also, I think I don't he's think late to the there's party. anything wrong with a mostly blonde guy being a fiance. But he isn't. The point is, he isn't. And Tom was was very mad about it. Uh, the reason that I think I'm trying to see if there's another scene with that guy in it. But I I think the blonde guy is definitely not the fiance because of the way I I mean the I would never do that. Like I, I personally, if that I, I would hug a friend and go, "This is my fiance." I would never hug my fiance like that. If I was hugging my fiance, it wouldn't be a weird sidearm. That's a friend hug. That's how I hug yeah. with you guys. Okay, this is a I this agree. is literally my mind feels blown. I never considered the other man. It's there. I'm pretty sure that's the same guy. He's sat. This him. feels He's like the most there. boring Marvel Easter egg video I've ever. <laughs> <laughs> I know you think that she was the one, but I don't. No, I think you're just remembering the good stuff. Next time you look back, I, uh, I really think you should look again.
It's playing at five. You want to see it? Um, I don't know. We could just go back to your place, sir. No, I really want to see it. Let's go. Um, no, okay. Here's my big change. Let's talk about it now. Autumn. I'm going to break it down and then we'll open. A. I think it's too perfect that she's this really, really attractive woman and she likes architecture. I think that's too nice of an ending. Yeah, because women who do architecture aren't allowed to be attractive. That's not what I'm saying and you know it. <laughs> I, I think it's too perfect. It's like, it's basically just like, Tom's been through hell, let's give him the perfect woman. She's this really attractive woman who's also into art, who also does architecture. I think that's too neat and too nice. And also, let's just be honest, her name being Autumn fucking sucks. That's the yeah, most that, stupid shit Yeah, I don't like that her name's world. Autumn. I wish, like, I wish it had been something like... I wish it had been something like... A month name, rather than... No, just nothing. The final line should be... Um, her going, maybe you weren't looking. That's a nice... And then we zoom in on him and he... He doesn't need to look at the camera either. Well, I mean, even Jesus. just give her, like, a super normal name. Mm. Can I suggest something? I don't know if any of you have seen Definitely Maybe, but in I that, have. they give them... They give the women three random names. And I feel like it's... In in my head, I view this almost like that. Like, Summer is not necessarily called Summer, but she's to represent that period of time and then him moving on to the next season or chapter of his life, mm. which is autumn. They don't necessarily okay. have to be summer and autumn. It's I, just I, like a representative. I agree. It, it works with the stylized way that the, the movie is. It's. I, it also, like with the whole day one thing afterwards, it reminded me a lot of You, the Netflix series. Uh, if we want to go back into this, this guy obsessed with this idea of one woman. Um, he's now moving on to his next one, this next fixation, and it's all starting all over again. I think that was quite cool. The um, I his big joke. I think she should have gone. What's your name? And she should have gone. I think you should use your real name, Robin. Why didn't they just say Dick Grayson? You should use your real name, Dick Grayson. Why did it have to be? And also, that actress is really bad. I mean, I don't think you could put Meryl Streep in that role and deliver that line well. But I think you should use your real name, Robin. <laughs> Actually, I really like that, I have to say. Um, that's it oh, for James. Oh, not you, Master Bruce. Oh, not very. Oh, not very. Oh, I know you don't. You don't. You don't like autumn. I kind of wish that there'd been no woman there. Yeah, I, mean, I know. It was just the whole the um, upcoming episode. Oh my yeah. god! Sorry, I just went back. I, sorry, I just I finally watched the montage where you see someone get married. Yeah, it's definitely the other guy that we were saying. I he's will, brunette. He's not blonde. I will completely. <laughs> Maybe it was down. the sun. I accept. I accept my defeat. Um, I accept sorry, but brunette. I, I, long I will accept defeat on this point. Um, I believe this is a first. This is, it's not a first. Do you um, want to know what it is? Do you want to know what it is, Tom? You saw what you wanted to see, not what was really happening. No, I saw the truth. I think, well, no, now it's a change. So, now Tom, it's a change. you saw your truth. Yeah, you no, saw I what think... you wanted to see. You saw what you took what you wanted to out of that scene. I think... I think it's one of those Freudian clips. I mean, slips. I mean, nips. I mean, slips. Um, I think that now that is going to be a change. I think it's more effective if she's the office, if he's the exact opposite person. 
No, the point is that you never see his fucking face. That's the whole point. You don't see him. Tom never sees him. It doesn't matter who he is. It, all that matters is that he isn't Tom. Ching. That's why it Ching. would make no That's sense. That's why we're guessing is because there's no focus on the other yeah. guy because the guy is not part of the focus. It's her mm. not picking him. That's the focus. So now, although I'll... I've never, I've never had someone watch this and think, yeah, that guy. That I've never heard anyone else interpret him as being her fiance ever. You are the first. I've never heard anyone just try to find the fiance because I thought the whole point was that you never really see him. I don't like that scene where the fiance has got a Welsh accent. Or are you now going to tell me that we don't hear him either? (laughs) Anyway, um, so welcome to is summer. Also, I just I'm sorry. Her face on this is so cute. Look at her. Oh, Zoe Deschanel. Literally, the amount. She's never that happy with Tom. Yeah, the amount of like silent, unaudible dialogue, smiling Zoe Deschanel scenes. Love, love anytime she smiles in this. Welcome to, comma, is so, is Summer really a bad person? So these are the big things that I noticed. Maybe. That I yeah yeah she's no I'm completely saying this superficially. For me, these are the only things where I was like, okay, so that was a bad that was a bad choice. I, wasn't this a La La Land thing where I my I had a segment called Is Me or a Terrible Person? Um, the big things are the hundred day arguments. When he punches the guy, I think he's an arsehole for punching the guy and expecting, oh, wow, you're a hero. Kind of on his sides with the, when she, go, when she goes to you say, no, let me, let me finish. My big thing is when she goes, we're friends. And I don't like his angry monologue after. I think that's disgusting. But also, they don't need labels. That's completely her choice, their choice, whatever. But she, I think, bad move, her going, we're friends. I don't know about that. Yeah, but I think she knew that. I think she, she knew it as soon as she'd said it. Yeah, I think which the thing is why is, she goes back in the ring. I understand. Yeah. I totally get you. I just think the point, yeah, no one's a good person. No one's a bad person yeah. in real life. Yeah. So I think however, people say things they don't mean. However, um, her dancing with him at the wedding. And the wedding, the whole wedding thing isn't isn't too great. I know she says, I just wanted to. I think she should have told him at the wedding that there was somebody. Maybe. Does she need does she need to tell him? Why why does why is he why does he need to know? I don't know. When I was in a relationship and there was ever and I was ever talking with somebody or whatever, and I was like, oh, does this person like me or whatever? I, I would I would force sometimes really terrible tangent forced my the the idea the the notion that i had a girlfriend into the conversation straight away but but also from her perspective he's moved on they're friends now yeah true why why would she have to explicitly be like oh yeah just you know i could be on the verge of getting engaged i am in a relationship you know mm, also know. it's her ex her ex like I don't yeah. know. That kind of thing's like, would you really want to say to your ex, oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm in a new relationship and I really love him. I and we like might be getting engaged. From yeah. <laughs> and it, uh, particularly if she wants that la- like that sort of happy day at the wedding, like she says, then she's obviously not going to, she knows she's going to ruin it by mentioning not. Yeah, she knows. Guy. Yeah. Um, but also, I kind of do agree. I think maybe she does toe a line where 
she acts a little bit like flirty with him and the slow dancing i don't think i'd slow dance with no definitely not and also mainly because he hated dancing so probably wouldn't anyway but um why does she invite him to the engagement party that is bad well actually she wasn't engaged by that point so it probably wasn't an engagement party party. it's just Um, a party just a party but also i think it's un i think it's a bit unfair that she doesn't prep him i'm going I'm, yeah, me and my me and my boyfriend are having a party i think that's i i know that the expectation versus reality scene is based on the whole male gaze is is this idealistic vision oh she's going to have sex with me by the end of the night she's going to hug me and love me because i bought her a book also the fact that he they're not going to he's not going to talk to anyone else yeah, yeah, Summer's yeah. only going to be obsessed with She's him. She's thrown this entire party and we're going to sit on a corner and talk and then uh, make passionate love against the wall. The It's just, I think it's a bit of a trap and I don't and, and I don't think it's fair. I think she should sit. Well, because she, she says, our rooftop apartment. And that's the closest she gets. And you can see a little bit in her eye of, should I tell him who our, our, oh, I've said the word too many times and it doesn't make sense to me. Should I tell him what our means? And I think I think she shouldn't invite him to the party unless she tells him. Um, a few fun facts. I agree. Actually. Any any oh sorry any left from any notes or are we good for facts? I've got loads of notes. Oh, left. Take it away. Take it away. Uh, I'll start with my favourite building or set. Oh yes. Um, I I really liked well I mean IKEA for a start. Um, mm. I know people spend so much money. Uh, to get a plane to Disney World and then to get into the park, go to IKEA. It's free and it's uh, it's magical. Um, uh, the fine arts building that he points to that's that's very nice piece of architecture and the art gallery that they go to and that the inside it's all brutalists and it's got concrete beams and it's all grotty and it's beautiful. I love. Concrete. I really like the architecture office he goes to at the end. I think that's a really nice building. Mm. And then I've got the fact um, that the uh, black and white film that Becky was on about earlier, um, no one's picked up on the fact that it, he's watching a man escaping a French New Wave film. That is uh, Tom's <laughs> short film that he made. Uh, it is. Oh my exactly God, yes, right. Tom, you plagiarist. <laughs> I mean, and, that, and that's, that's on carried my... on at the scene where he's escaping from the engagement party and he's running down the stairs. <laughs> and on my heart, I, uh, and this is coming from the man who has now admitted that his uh, the the very short story he wrote as a seven year old child, Ledwidge and Mary, was just a full copy of Wuthering Heights. Um, this has never this has never crossed my mind. I can honestly say um, that Pajaj uh, Days of Summer was not an influence on. Uh, I'll put um, everybody go to Tom's Crothers on YouTube and watch A Man Escaping a French New Wave. Which Katrina more, I also wasn't like, in and um, was very angry. I wasn't in. <laughs> I like um, half vampire, half giant, vag giant. That's Ooh. very good. Is that a real film? No. Or was that just a funny it's, one? It's a funny, funny, funny name. Um, anything else, Will? That's it. That's it. <laughs> Loads of notes. Three. The film's blue-centric colour scheme was uh, done... After the fact, because uh, Zoe Additionals, beautiful blues, beautiful eyes. Uh, according to the DVD commentary, one of the film's writers estimates that 75% of the film actually happened Blue. to him. Um, so I don't know about that. Again, 
Um, the adult film that Tom and Summer rent called Sweet and Shower, very funny name, is a fictional film and does not exist. So um, don't go looking for it, Will. Um, Summer breaks it off with Tom on day 290 and is married by day 476. Roughly estimating, Summer got married a little over six months after breaking up with Tom. I was thinking about this yesterday. What, it's a very good turnaround. This is like when people, this is like when I say people, I mean me and Bill Simmons, a famous podcast host, break down the time gap in Castaway only being four years and that Helen Hunt has pumped out two kids, gotten over her husband missing on a plane and fallen in love and getting married within, within a very short amount of time. People have whirlwind romances, especially when they're, um, especially when their great blonde friend introduces them uh, to this charming man who looks like Tom. See, I'm learning. Um, six months is very quick. I think it's reflective of the fact that she suddenly believes in the one and she's suddenly like, he is the one I know now. And but also, also like, oh, sorry, sorry. that's the concept I struggle with, that she suddenly believes there's the one after so many years of not. Yeah, but isn't that, I the, think isn't that the concept of the one? Isn't that the whole thing? Yeah. Is that I just don't, but like, okay, may, yeah, maybe it is that like you only know the one once you've had the one, and most people, people don't have the married. one. I do know people that got married after like six months. Yeah. And they, they're like together for like the rest of their lives. Because also, let's be honest, summer, as is often, not often the case, but majoritively speaking, as is often the case with the people breaking up, they don't have a major amount of time getting over because they've spent the last four, three months, whatever, getting over it and coming to terms that this is ending. So that so then they sort of have a month and that month and a half, you know, maybe the, the partner flies to America and then you just um have it off with um somebody else, you know. Right, okay. <laughs> I was like where is that I in don't struggle with the quickly that. moving on. I struggle with the yeah. getting married after six months because but I, I, it's just a personal like... thing. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. In in that scene in the bar, you could say when she's on about I don't believe in that when when she's talking about her version of love, you could say, Oh, that and that's contradicting what she's doing now. But then when he says you don't know love until you feel it, she I think she now she knows what it is. And so why not? I, be, I was sure. I woke up one morning and I was sure of what, of what I was never sure of with you. I think, I think it's just one of those things. But the six months is the big factor. And that's why they never say it's only been six months and you just have to sort of forget. Uh, speaking of Will's theory, there is a fan theory that the final conversation between Tom and Summer on the park bench was all imagined and didn't happen. Even Joseph Gordon-Levitt has said that he believes this is more of a scene of Tom's coming to inner peace than actual reality. If that is accurate, then day 408 at Summer's house party is the last time Tom ever sees him. Oh, that is quite sad. No, I like I mean, it. It's more realistic. Because think, they both like this park. He introduced it to that bench. There is a probability that they would see here again. Uh, tagline, rundown, boy meets girl, boy falls in love, girl doesn't. Uh, nice. This is not a love story. This is a story about love. And it was almost like falling in love. I think I'd go for this is not a love story. This is a story about love because I think mm. the first one sort of gives away. <laughs> I 
and sort of ruin, <laughs> uh, you know, obviously we, us three have all forgotten, uh, not forgotten, we'll have, you know, can't remember really the first time we saw it and, oh, sorry, I'm speaking for you. The first time you saw it, did you think they're getting together or did you, I, I always felt like, no. I don't is, remember, to be fair. Yeah. I don't, th- I, I remember thinking that she didn't deserve him, so I was probably hoping that they didn't get back together. Yeah. By that time, I'd already seen Annie Hall, so I was like, I'm getting an Annie Hall vibe. I feel this is gonna, this is gonna be an ending of I think the first time I watched it, I was still in a, very much in a part of my life where I wanted to believe in the one, and I wanted to, I wanted it to end up happily. I, I always wanted rom coms to end happily, mm-hmm. but as life, as like time has gone on, and as I've got older, I've actually liked more films that are more realistic. So actually, I think I've liked. I like this more now. Will's gone. Will's You've lost a co-host. No, it's just Carruthers and whoever. Um, welcome to Seb's. Uh, big welcome exactly. To, big welcome to Seb's. I almost set, made a La La Land reference earlier when we we're talking about like um, realistic endings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom's big question. Here are your three nominations. This entire film, the video for... Um, why do you make me stay here in the bank? Or what are you doing next New Year's Eve? What is the best thing that Zoe Deschanel and Joseph Gordon-Levitt have done together? Ooh, no, the new what are you? Do- That's just so iconic. I listen to it every single like New Year's. I think it's so iconic. I do love the bank music video though. That's great. I love she and him. Great band. Yeah, love Zoe Deschanel. I love Zoe. De- I don't think I've really gone hard this episode as I thought I would have for. I do I love Zoe Deschanel. I love the vibe. Love Elf. Love New Girl. Actually, this is what I was going to say. I think the people's concept of Zoe Deschanel as the archetypical, archetypal uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girl is New Girl. And yeah. Because we've had years and years of Jess Day, who is quirky and is, you know, whoa. Everybody's impression of people Zoe Deschanel. I hate people who say that um, Summer and Jess are similar characters. Yes, not. not at all. People's They're concept completely- of Zoe Deschanel and people's impression of Zoe Deschanel is Jess, but Five Hundred Days of Summer came first. Look at Elf. Elf, you know, she's got it's Elf and Summer. It's that very dry sense of it. Jess has her moments of dryness, but Elf and Zoe and Summer are very dry, very dry yeah. humor. Um, very, and then Jess is more the whoa that people always do the impression of. Well, I'm playing the ukulele. Um, oh, that's great, when she does the SNL. Sound like Ray Romano. <laughs> <laughs> so did as well. Everybody loves wow, Jess. Wow, yeah. Ray. But yeah, I get so annoyed when people compare Jess and Summer because like, it's almost like, did you even watch the film? No. Or did you just see clips of the film? Because like- I just saw the Ikea scene and we're like, oh, she's quirky. Yeah, let's because let's be real. Jess would never do what Summer does, and Summer would never be Summer. Summer probably wouldn't end up with Nick. Do you know what I mean? Like, she wouldn't. No way. She'd have ended up. She'd have ended up with Sam the Doctor, I think. (laughs) And Jess is is much more like, oh, relationships. I really want one. Whereas Summer's very much like, no. Let's just have fun. Doing my own thing. Um, I love the IKEA scene, but also. There's no way I have ever slept on like a display bed. Is I've never gone bed shopping. 
But is that a thing people do? Do people actually sleep up, like go on these beds to test them out? And also um, the not, kissing not and the cuddling. Beds. Not IKEA beds, but um, you do lay down on mattresses. Because my mum said yeah. I went to get a mattress and you lay down on mattresses. Mm. But that's different. That isn't IKEA. That's at, like an actual mattress. Like, but I don't think they no. actually fell asleep. No, no, I'm not saying fall asleep, but the kissing and the cuddling and the very closeness. But that, what do you do when you go to IKEA, Tom? Do you just walk around? Like, part of the IKEA experience is to live in it as Pretend you go around. Pretend that you live there, yeah. I've, <laughs> yeah, never, I've never had a romantic... Or... I've never been to IKEA. Oh, my what? God. To be fair, I hadn't until 2017. I've never been. There isn't really one near me. Why would I go and I can't drive? When I was in Philadelphia, the first thing they did was take us to IKEA because obviously we were all foreign and we were living there for like three and a half months. And it was like the biggest IKEA you've ever seen. And it took me 10 minutes to get through. And then I just sat and listened to a podcast. IKEA is just not my vibe. And you should have Thank seen you. it. You, you should even stop. So you had a pole. similar, you had a similar experience in IKEA as you did. Don't to you dare! Memorial Don't you... <laughs> Speaking of my ex, me and my ex were having a terrible text argument that coincided with a trip we had to a Holocaust museum. So I was listening to the most touching, heartbreaking stories you've ever heard, and then she was texting like, blah blah blah, the most inane argument, and and then. It was all underground, so we'd go underground a bit and we'd go, why didn't you text? Was that the when I was there? Yeah. Why didn't you text back? Because I was in the Holocaust Museum and I was <laughs> underground. I think that's a pretty good reason. Oh, God. Relationships. He eh? literally, no, I'm not even kidding. Tom just, Bill, like, no, come on. Tom just walked around. I know you're in a text argument, but you just like, look at that and go, hmm. And then walk off. <laughs> I was like, but also, you're like having your wanting us to leave. He's a man on a mission. He knows that in half an hour we need to be going getting some food or and then after that he plans his days. I do very plan my days soon. I was yes. just I, I was just trying to listen to this poor woman talk about how she'd accidentally sent her sons off to be murdered. In the in the wrong I just see, yeah. I just see Tom just like looking around. <laughs> what are you doing? Here's my vibe. I'm just going to say it. The memorial for murdered Jews. I think cool. memorials and because I did the 9-11 museum as well. And we were doing that in a day and we had we had one day in New York. And my mother planned the 9-11 museum as the first thing. And then we did that for an hour. Very sad, very touching, very interesting. But then it, we ended and then she was like, right, now we've got to go to, now we've got, like, I just don't understand how you can plan a day trip around it. I, it's like when you do the we battlefield trip at school. Sorry? I just, we were just there. I was interested in going in. I was interested. Around. But it's like, what do you do after? You didn't even do half the things you could do there. Like, literally, I watched you just walk through a room and not even look at anything in there. And I was like, wow. But now knowing that that's also your IKEA experience and you also don't I want think, to look at it. Like, I think we, we need an IKEA trip to take Katrina and also to show Tom how to properly do an IKEA trip. I had a horrible COVID moment watching this film. Literally, not even as a joke. They got up from the restaurant table and I was like, why didn't... No, it was the train. And they got up from the train and I was like, why didn't he put his mask on? It is frightening <laughs> how ingrained this COVID Ooh, shit is. Yeah. It's horrible. It's like, oh, I let's go and get a coffee. That... Wait, the thing's open? Can they sit down? I was literally... It was horrible. And I literally had to pinch myself. It was horrible. I, 
I remember when you first started this podcast and I came on mm. and you didn't want to talk about anything to do with COVID because you're like, oh, it's probably not going to be a thing in a few months. And here we are a year it's later. Thing, yeah, literally, uh, that we are recording this on the week of our year anniversary. Well done. Congratulations. Well, Happy anniversary, Tom. Happy anniversary. Um, you know, who needs a relationship when you've got a one year anniversary of your podcast? Shower sex. We can move on or we can stay here. Um What's happening there? What, what what angle? What position? How does the curtain come down? What's happening? I mean, the uh, the railing is clearly very cheap. They need to get a proper structure in. And also, you're the only couple here, so I, asking this question it may lead to a horribly intimate conversation. Do not understand the porn vibe of them sat all cute and cuddly as if they're watching a box set of Peep Show and they're watching this graphic poem. Good choice. <laughs> Just it's like, I don't get it. weird work of summer, I feel like. Yeah. But it, it did feel out of place, I must admit. I was sort of like, this seems a bit weird. It's Again, a bit maybe like it's part of him thing. being yeah. like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. his fantasies. <laughs> yeah, whereas in reality, well, you'd probably be like, mm, yeah. Yeah. Or if you're into if you're into watching porn with your partner, I don't... Which not my vibe, but I imagine it's not cute and cuddled on the sofa. I imagine it's in some sort of different context. Anyway, See, I, uh, to to build on her character, I would expect if they were going to do that scene, it, they would do it in a really ironic way and look at all the funny titles and have a laugh with it. Mm. I guess they're laugh. They are laughing. They are laughing at it. Like she, oh, that looks doable. That's a funny thing. And then like they're obviously laughing when the curtain comes down. Yeah, it kind of sounds funny to watch like really old antique porn and like see the like you know like the yeah. really really yeah, terrible yeah, yeah. Like parodies the 70s, and things 80s like that. Stuff, yeah. So maybe it would. But then also you're watching that and it's really funny watching the setup scenes. But then there's a, there's that. But then there's going to be like ten minutes of just hardcore sex where you're like, ha ha ha, <laughs> when really you're just watching someone get plowed. Um, falling asleep alone in a cinema is a miserable experience. It's really sad. I I did it all the time. Um, it's just it's it's really weird when you're not with somebody and you fall asleep because then it, it's just really weird and disorientating. And so I I, I remember when choice. I went to see when I went to see Tenet with my sister and her um, fiance. Um, he fell asleep about half an hour into the film and woke up at about half an hour before the end. And then as we were walking out, I like didn't fucking get it. And <laughs> you were asleep. <laughs> yeah, of course you didn't get it. You were asleep. That was quite funny. Um, I asleep. I've never fallen asleep. What's the best Zoe, awkward, not awkwardly, but what's like the best Zoe Deschanel, every character has a musical number. Is it Elf? Two nominations are Baby It's Cold Outside and um, uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Is it this, Sugar Town? Or is it the, uh, there's a couple in New Girl. I like the Prince one where she sings with Prince. What's the best? Prince is kind of iconic. I fucking love Prince. It's Prince. Best but New I Girl think, episode of that show. Um, I do think, I think it is Elf. I, th I think it's the edgy underwater uh, band in Yes Man. Oh, and Yes Man. Good shout, good shout. Yeah. We just love Zoe Deschanel, dear. Uh, you know what annoys me is that, like, she's more manic pixie in that film than it, she's in. Yeah, in it feels. I've always felt 
I'm a not. I think New Girl's obviously taken taken that up, but I am interested in if New Girl never happened, the diff what movies we would have got in a five year in that five years of Zoe Deschanel. Whether we would have got a ser really serious drama, whether we would have got an Oscars possibility, whether we would have got a couple more rom coms. Maybe because she was sort of in a groove. Because since Meg Ryan, there's not been an actress that sort of, or an actor that has sort of owned the rom-com thing. Like Meg Ryan just owned the rom-com thing for a decade and was just like, yeah, I'll do, I'm going to do rom-com. Um, Adam Sandler. <laughs> no, but they're not always rom-coms. They're just like comedies. That's just, I'm going to do comedies. Oh, they're very romantic, Tom. Fifty First Dates is, and I love Wedding Singer. Oh. Click. Everyone loves Wedding Singer. Yes, my, click blue, my click Blu-ray arrived. Uh, Jack day. and Jill. <laughs> I went to see Jack and Jill at the cinema. Dunkachino. Everybody loves my Dunkachino. Say hello to my chocolate blend. And on that Al Pacino-based rock-bottom note, um, Becky, Katrina, returning to 500 Days of Summer, uh, what, is, what is any final thoughts? My final thought is just that they weren't meant to be together, and I think it's a very good representation, a bit like in La La Land, <laughs> of two people who had a very good time but weren't meant to be together. Realistic. My final thoughts are that um, Summer isn't a villain. No. Um, you know, when he goes on that date with the red-haired woman and she says, did she cheat on you? Did she do all these things? And he's like, well, no. And She's not third, a villain. And the third thing she says, and she told you at the start that she didn't want anything serious. Yeah. yeah. So Summer's not a villain. She's just a person. Hmm. And also a person whose parents were divorced, which, as annoying as it is, does actually affect your perceptions on those kind of things. This is going to... This might take us for another 10 minutes. But Tom says, yeah, mine too. So that's never explored, like his relationship with that divorce. Yeah, but I swear, it's different. People have very different No, of course, of course they do, of course they do, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in my opinion, the way that um, Summer sounds is that um, one of her parents perhaps may not have been faithful is like with what happened with my parents which will really screw with your perceptions of love. Whereas mm. if they just have an amicable divorce, it's quite different, mm. you know? And also, yeah. but that also ties into why Tom's so obsessed with love is because his parents, you know, were divorced and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So he's so obsessed with finding love to prove that wrong. Mm. Uh, but I don't think he's the villain of this either. I just think that he's you know, not experienced character growth and he's not had many meaningful relationships and he's never tried and then Summer kind of spurred him on. So I don't think anyone's the villain in this film. I just think it's quite realistic. That sometimes, like you said, sometimes things just don't work out and that's okay. And then he owns a jazz bar. Well, you're on our first watch. Uh, will you be returning to Five Hundred Days of Summer? What did it did it fulfil? Did it fulfil your Zoe Deschanel enjoyments? Did you did you like what? Your final thoughts? <laughs> I thought it was very very good. Mm. Um, I, I I didn't know what to expect. I thought it was I wasn't going to enjoy it um, because I I for some reason thought it was going to be the same humour as Fifty First Dates, 
but it wasn't. It was very stylized, very clever. Uh, on that, it, on that, on the concept of just things having numbers in, did you think that Twelve Years a Slave was going to be the same vibe as Fifty First Dates as well, or is that just five O no. numbers? No. I uh, no, I think it was really good, and I will definitely be returning. Um, yeah. yeah. It'll be bank. interesting because you're every time I watch Five Hundred Days of Summer, my opinions on the film kind of change, and my opinions mm. on the characters change. So it'll be interesting to see what you think next time you see it, mm. and especially after this podcast, and you're like you'll notice things you never noticed before. Mm. I always um, about so it. we're not next week. Uh, we are um, talking about a movie with lovely realistic depictions of love and men who aren't toxic in any way wedding crashes is <laughs> <laughs> oh, that got owen wilson and oh yeah you met uh, you you motorboated son of a bitch i've never seen it it's great becky is, is did he make you watch wedding crashes i think i did i've seen that now oh okay i know i've seen the other owen wilson is the intern, yeah, Vince Vaughn. The yeah, intern. and I watched that because it has Dylan O'Brien in. He's also in an episode of New Girl. Mm. And who else is in New Girl? Zoe Deschanel. Peter Gallagher. also in oh. 500 Days. She is indeed. Bye. Bye.